0: vaccine
2: or mra will ever flow through my fucking blood blood never i
3: will fucking die fucking fighting for my fathers and my fucking lineage
1: fuck these motherfuckers Jihad, a Jihad, a Jihad, a Jihad mm. I'm glad to be back home, end of day's profit um, No place like home, there's no place like home It's my sound levels, okay Alright, um, today we will be uh, speaking with the powerful uh, Doc Keck, uh, Anthony Pennant Who's um, been a one-man army with respect to uh, taking these bastards to the court where they belong and uh who did the remix rads rads at function gain on twitter um the man is a genius and um what what else can i say it's uh it's probably the most based intro out there on the internet and the funniest God damn most based and funniest. Uh, Alright, so uh, I want to get Anthony on uh, real quick in a minute. But let me just do this. Uh, always remember, your government loves you. And uh, that's, why, that's why we need America to survive, folks. Uh, <laughs> we need men with boys toys. Uh, where can you get the song? Uh, just ask me for it. I'll, <laughs> I'll send it to you. There's no, uh, there's no secrets here. I want to just see. Does is Rumble chat coming through? Is my, um, maybe not. Uh, let me just check that. It should do. God damn, goddamn tech, goddamn tech. Wait, wait one second. Let me just do this. Uh, test. Boom. Oh yeah, it does work. Uh, so it's it's double though, but uh, yeah, rumble chat is working, um, so we, it'll pop up on the screen and uh, what else can I do? Nothing, I'll just uh, move on to this. If you strolled in here wondering uh, who I am, my name is Dr. Kevin McCann, that's right, a real scientist, all published, and she, I oh, know if I can do my, uh, does that work? No, uh, I want to, <laughs> I forgot this this I I must, uh, i'll do uh w- what's his face that is me uh i am a legit scientist or published in sh- she- yeah that's me <laughs> so uh if you want to find out who i am um you can go on Oh, other, other boring places uh that are out there on the internet that deal with uh conventional science and um you <laughs> ResearchGate is a good place to go because all all my publications are there, free to access. And, uh, yeah, you can get a little bit about what I'm about. Systems Neuroscientist, Corticobasal Ganglia Cerebellar Networks were my bread and butter, hypo and hyperkinetic disorders, my thing. Um, And uh, it sort of set me up well to be uh, making commentary about SARS-CoV-2. And... uh, Yes, uh, Albert, I thank you for putting the link to Twitter uh, for Function Gain uh, Rads. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, have you seen the Spike Neurotoxin study out of Korea? Um, th- the one where they inject it into uh, the... Let me just see here. This one is... Uh, no, this one isn't out of Korea. But the one you're talking about is an old study, I, I believe that was the institute that i was a principal investigator at (laughs) it did that study uh all right so uh yeah that's that's me now um this is science uh for the public by the public i'm only able to do uh what i do via the support from people who find what i do useful and uh we have a bunker, a uh, network of trenches on the uh, digital domain from which we go fighting every day. McCannDojo.com. Uh, if you can go there, here's the link. And uh, in McCann... Do- oh, thank you, Marty. Saved me doing that. Um, and uh, you can um, support me via Patreon. And... Um, but uh is it Jack Dorsey runs Patreon? Um they they take a uh big chunk. I like Patreon because it says I've got X amount of money each month. But the WTYL dot live tip jar is live. Uh there it is. Um you can go there and you can just uh make a payment. It's stripe powered. Um and uh you can uh send a dono and I will keep an eye out in the stream uh for anyone that sends a dono with a uh, question or anything. I do try to keep an eye on the uh the chat as well. Um it's not incumbent upon giving me a dono to ask me a question but uh I I'll Kevy uh old Kevy and his family uh appreciates it. Um of course you can go to stream fags and GayPal, uh, you can um send a payment that way if you would like to use uh Gay Pal. Uh buy me a coffee uh is available, subscribe star and uh various cryptocurrencies to uh help usher in the central bank digital currencies, uh if you would um would like to uh send kevi some crypto uh her twitter amnesty is coming back next week can't wait to see you back making fun of the ivory tower folks oh yes oh yes indeed and they don't have their twitter daddy to, to protect them anymore <laughs> it will be brutal there will be blood sports there will be blood sports i can assure you um right uh let me now uh oh yes of course one last thing um our streaming platform uh we talk you listen um you can go there you can watch the stream uh there Uh, it's two people watching and um you can join this streaming platform you can upload videos to it and um Use it. Try to try to make it grow. Uh, the more platforms we have out there, the better, um, because we've seen what a bunch of censorious bastards we're dealing with over the last two and a half or It will only get worse, folks. Uh, there may be little glimmers of light with Elon Musk um, having fun at Twitter. Um, dojo memes coming back to Twitter, indeed. Um, yeah. Blood Swartz on Twitter, fuck them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I'm looking forward to feasting on mutton. Oh yeah, which reminds me, I just want to uh put links into Telegram. Just bear with me. Uh I know Anthony uh, is waiting. Uh, you know what? I will um I'll call Anthony right now and let's do this. Let's do boom. Let's do this and then I'll I'll put alerts out on telegram. Um boom, 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 boom this also we waiting um cool. anthony does that oh. work yep oh so how you doing bro hold on a second Hang on. all
3: right are you with me
1: yeah i can hear you you may be a little quiet uh i can try adju- oh shit i can try adjusting it this end um right here this g- is this better yeah 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 That's cool. Good stuff. Um, It just in the chat. If you could give some feedback, if the sound um, uh, is okay, that would be great. Um, Check one, check two. Okay. I think, I think we're good (laughs) to go. Um, I will, are we going to be screen sharing? I presume so. Right. We'll be. um, Uh, yes. Yes. Let me do this. Real quick screen, screen one. Yeah, well, let's do this. All right. La la. Let's do this and um yeah, that's uh that's looking good. So um a little quiet, not too bad. Um let me let me just nudge it up a little bit. Um but whilst whilst I'm doing that. Uh, Anthony, why don't you just maybe people who are new who don't um, know what you've been up to um, give a summary of what you what you've been well you've been a one man army on the uh, legal front. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. I, I've
3: been I've been doing trying to do my thing. Uh, my name is Anthony Pena. I am the executive director for the American Foundation for Informed Consent. Uh, I am uh, in the process right now of awaiting a final decision on uh, a demure and plea of sovereign immunity that was sent by the uh, Virginia attorney general uh, in the circuit court for the city of Richmond, uh, where I had sued the Virginia Department of Health and the current health commissioner for um, a couple things, informed consent uh, as well as uh, compulsory reporting for dangerous diseases and pathogens. Uh, Apparently I found that out when I I was uh, getting ready for oral arguments which took place last week on November 16th, last Wednesday. Um, and it was quite a ride, brother. Let me just tell you something, man.
1: Uh, you, you, uh, were, you were face-to-face with the judge, is that correct?
3: Correct. I got to speak for an hour. Nine. Um, and uh, basically what um, the judge centered on was my legal standing um you know how have you been harmed how have you been harmed was kind of the refrain um at one point she even said straight up she's like you're not convincing me uh i really need something else here um Uh so it was kind of like getting hit square in the balls man Mm. (laughs) The judge and i'm like it's in the emails it's in the emails Mm -hmm. because i had asserted a right for informed consent um but really um what I had found uh as it relates to uh things which are actionable in court um because I had actually made a mistake um when I had uh showed you all um my motion for summary judgment uh last time I had uh, put a couple cases up thinking that they were federal appellate cases and apparently they were state appellate cases
1: and what so, what's the difference in legal standing there just for those that of us that are legal retards well,
3: well it was an illinois case and a pennsylvania case and i'm in virginia court so the legal standards that the judges would have used to reach those decisions was completely different than the bar that would have been set within virginia jurisprudence you know virginia law
1: Oops. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um okay. So short of but well, she didn't throw the case out, right?
3: No, actually I, I recovered uh, quite brilliantly. Um because the Attorney General had cited uh Afsol the Commonwealth uh in his motion and um he said well because like an Afsol, you know, um uh, sovereign Immunity applied, well then it will apply to this case as well, but that case was brought under a separate statute. And it also led me to uh, the uh, Virginia Administrative uh, Processes Act, um, which is code 2.24000. this should be 4002, uh, number 22, where it says the, the, the Board of Health in promulgating the list of diseases that shall be reported to Department of Health pursuant to 32.1-35. Okay, so it gives me this code, and it's this code, and that code refers to this law, the list of reports and diseases and dangerous microbes and pathogens. So the board shall promulgate a list of diseases, including diseases caused by exposure to any toxic substance, as defined in 32.1-239, which is the toxic substance statute. This defines toxic substance. And including diseases that may be caused by exposure to an agent or substance that has the potential for use as a weapon shall be reported, shall be required to be reported. Now, within, so they do not, so. Oh,
1: well, hang, hang on, hang on. There's a question in the chat that I think um, is important. So Jigs, Commander Jigs is saying damages are needed to warrant even defamation. What damages did you claim? You're not claiming damages, are you?
3: No, under a declaratory judgment, you're actually precluded from uh, seeking damages. The only thing that you're seeking in a declaratory judgment is a recognition of right. And in this particular case, I'm seeking the recognition of a statutory right regarding informed consent. I also stumbled upon um, this, this right, in essence, um, to compel the Virginia Department of Health to forward information regarding to long COVID because long COVID is uh, a direct sequelae of COVID-19. And COVID-19 is listed
4: as a virus of public health threat. So we use the definitions that are available to you, find
3: out how they're legally actionable, and then apply them.
1: OK. Um, so these things that you're pulling up now, um... You obviously didn't bring it up in the oral judgment. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Okay.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Th- this, this was brought up directly during oral arguments as I'm in front of the judge because she's, a- she's asking me exactly that. How have you been harmed? How have you been harmed? Okay, well, I- I'm dealing with the statutory authority as it relates to the compulsory reporting of diseases and dangerous microbes and pathogens. And then saying that informed that my request for informed consent is consequential to this duty that they have to report long COVID and its cause
4: as a disease and dangerous microbe or pathogen. You follow?
1: I think yes. Um, Let's see. I'm just keeping an eye on the chat. Wording is very important when it comes to legal grounding, legalese, legit forked tongue speak. Oh, uh, well, that I'll agree with. <laughs> and you can't buy well, rights.
3: No, you can't. Um, but, you know, the, the forked tongue speak all has references. Okay, so whenever like here, here we go, you know, this is there a plea of sovereign immunity is defensive plea, you know, presenting distinct issues of fact, which, if proved, create a bar to the plaintiff's right of recovery, Whitley v. Commonwealth. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, looking at that, those are a bunch of words which are on a piece of paper. They may apply to my case and they come from this specific case because that's what's being quoted. So the forked tongue speech, they all have a map. They all tell you where to look, which is why in oral arguments, I address that case specifically. So then I take that case, which they've applied in their plea of sovereign immunity. I see what has happened, right, within this case, and then I let them know how it is that it applies to mine or how it doesn't. Anything within this case, which is beneficial to me, I'm going to use. Because they're saying
4: this case is a reason for me not to get it. But actually, as it turns out, this helped me. You know? So it's legal judo. You take what they get, you take what they give you.
3: You see how it applies. And you just throw it right back in their face.
1: So how how did it help you specifically?
3: Well, this preparation is invaluable um, because, in essence, uh, it provided a, a legal foundation to respond to questions that the judge is asking me. You know, I could go off and say, "Oh, you know, they this this that and the other." Well, you no, know, well, well, whatever. But really, what they're looking for is legal ju- legal justification, and if you can provide them how other judges have found legal justification in a similar stance as to, you know, uh, what exists in your case, then they're cooked. Because that's starry decisis. That's case law. You're binding them to previous judgment. And what it really came down to, what what I argued harder than anyone, was, uh, was Howell v. McAuliffe. This case right here because this was a case um, back in 2016 where Governor McAuliffe gave blanket amnesty to all felons um, for the election. So um, registered voters brought a case, but the election had not yet taken place. So if the election had not yet taken place, then they had not been harmed. However, in this particular case, standing was still granted. So I provide them a reference, and and I, and I read this verbatim. You know, the dominant role in articulation of public policy. We're dealing with public policy right now with the distribution of of the uh,
1: medical interventions.
3: Right. Public policy in the Commonwealth rests with the elected branches. The role of the judici- judiciary, because I have to place the judge in their place, right within the powers is a restrained one. Ours is not to judge advisability or wisdom of policy choices. The executive and legislative branches are directly accountable to the electorate, I'm part of the electorate, and it is in those political venues that public policy should be shaped. And from time to time, disagreements between these branches of government require interpretation of our statutes, constitution, or the United States Constitution, and our role is proper to interpret the law and not to express our opinion on policy, and the case before us today is such a case and i told her the case before you right now as i'm speaking to you is also such a case i'm drawing corollaries i drew corollaries i spoke for an hour
1: bro um, you know it
3: wasn't like a quick in and out
1: i uh, took my time uh, <laughs> so you should um you pay for the courts right uh so, uh the judge's response to this retort
3: well um eventually w- well, uh, let's see i can't i don't know that I remember the actual place um where I said it, but it was in essence uh i had had this in other notes um you know in this particular case, the electorate had been you know, the representation of the electorate had been such that uh, standing was granted. How much more so when the health of that electorate is threatened? And I told that to her, and I looked at her, and she gave me a nod. You know, she's like, I see what you're saying. You know, I'm with you on this. You know? Um, And she didn't rule immediately, you know, because in standing, and this right here is... Um, what's called a a sketch opinion letter. So what I did is, at the end of um, the oral arguments, what we're supposed to do is provide a judge, in essence, uh, the order that they sign. Okay? And uh, this matter is upon hearing decreed, you know, like, upon further consideration, blah, 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 blah. And this is kind of like the final order. It's called a sketch order. And what normally accompanies the order is an opinion letter. So what I also did is, in essence, took the role of the judge, saw the facts of the case, and then presented a letter as he would have sent us justifying to counsel why he found or she found in my favor. My sketch opinion letter and order was sixteen pages. The attorney general's was like just over a page. <laughs> okay, so even within here, you know, an analysis of standing, you know, to answer the question because it does come up, and many people are are more familiar with the with the chancery side of law, where with the standard idea of standing, where you have to be harmed. Okay, but you know. In this particular case, you know, when there is, there are a couple of different elements where no administrative remedy equal to relief sought, right? I'm asking for informed consent, and they say that you know, I, I can only get the fact sheets. Well, bullshit. If you're saying I can't get anything else, then that in itself is an admission that I have no administrative remedy.
4: Okay. Um, what is it? I'm just going to hear.
1: Uh, can you just go up a little bit? I just want to you say uh, that the controversy must be one that is. Justiciable,
3: Mm. that is where specific adverse claims rather than future or speculative facts are ripe
4: for judicial adjustment. So they don't deal in hypotheticals, they deal in reality, in what happened. Follow? Yeah, yeah. So a justiciable controversy is one that exists
3: in reality that are represented by facts, you know, on a piece of paper, they did this, they did this, they weren't supposed to do this, but this happened anyway. So, judge, I need you to help
4: make it right because they were supposed to do X. Okay. Um, so and then in a declaratory judgment, this
3: is really foundational to harm. You know, the act does not require one to wait until the right has been violated. Mm-hmm. Preventive relief is the moving purpose. So it tells you specifically preventive relief is the moving purpose. I don't have to wait for it to be violated. In my case, it actually is, and it's in writing. So that just goes to strengthen. it. You know, this also comes into play because the judge was really trying to get me to name other parties. You know, well, did you ask someone else? Did you do anything else with trying to, in essence, goad another party into the controversy? And when I told her, it's like, well, that's what I'm trying to prevent. I don't want that to happen. That's why I'm here. Right. Right. Yeah. Because in essence, I, I I'm, I, like, the judge is telling me that I have to go to somewhere else so that they can violate the same rights that I'm here in front of the the court to adjudicate about in well, relation
1: to the Virginia Department of Health. Doesn't doesn't the Virginia Department of Health count as the other party that you're? In, in grievance with because yes. they're, they're the ones that who are mandating, right? So, um, no, they're not, they're not, they're not,
4: they're not mandating. There are no mandates in Virginia.
1: Well, yeah, because of your first uh, uh, correct ta- tango with the courts. Um, so, well, uh, I mean, that sort of begs the question then. Um, if there are no mandates, why, yeah, why bring this case? Because you can just say no, right?
3: Well, I can. However, because my case also involves compulsory reporting of dangerous microbes and pathogens, there
4: there is an additional element which is um, consequential to informed consent. And, you know, the S1
3: subunit for the spike protein for SARS-CoV-2 is a biologic toxin. Period. It is the causative agent for long COVID. Long COVID is a disability listed under HHS. We can get into the nitty-gritty about what type of physiology, you know, particularly necessitates that or whatever, whatever. I don't care
4: on the legal side. The only thing I care about is what's legally actionable. So what is legally actionable in this particular case is two fronts. One
3: is their withholding of the report of their admission that the spike protein is the causative agent for long COVID because they withheld that. They admitted it to me in writing but they didn't report it up. It didn't react to it. And they do
4: not have sovereign immunity to ignore that. By law, they don't. As it relates to informed consent,
3: really what they did is they used Section 564 of the FDCA. And I'll tell you what, man, if you want to do a nice little dive into this because this is in essence this slip opinion for the president uh is the Mm. governing legal opinion as it relates to vaccine distribution
1: in the united states okay so what what's a slip opinion first off Uh, so slip opinion is
4: um it's kind of like an attorney general's opinion
3: Uh, But this was done by the Solicitor General, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that the, so Memorandum Opinion for the Deputy Counsel to the President. So this was a White House Counsel that came up with this opinion. This isn't necessarily an Attorney General. This would be the Solicitor General, the attorney for the White House and his office.
2: Okay.
3: And they provided this opinion on July 6, 2021. And it was the defense that the attorney general was using as to why they only
1: had to provide the fact sheets and nothing else. Okay, yeah, we better we better get into this one then, then.
3: Yeah, because there are a lot of revelations that uh, came to me through this. One that th- this is defense legislation. Section 564 of the FDCA appears in the 2004 National Defense Authorization Act. Prior to this being in that law, it was illegal to generally distribute any medical countermeasure to the public at large. And solely because of this section, they in essence made it legal in 2004 under defense legislation so this is a martial context this is a military operation by legal definition anyone saying differently and you know, and all those are saying oh martial law martial law well you got martial law how do you like it
1: yeah yeah well that's uh that seems to be a overarching theme to what we're dealing with um out of, out of control uh dod programs um and well, their, their use in taking rights from the individual, I mean, whether that's the Patriot Act or by a Patriot we need Act. To,
3: we need to assert our rights. Hmm. And as, in essence, what, the, the way to assert the right, or at least what I'm doing, or just kind of happened upon it, was to um, place jurisdiction of the recognition of the right back within the courts of the state to get it out of federal court. This needs to leave federal court. These types of controversies, these types of cases need to occur on the state level. The reason federal mandates were uh, struck down in the United States legally is because they found that it was uh, state police powers that governed the distribution of medical countermeasures to the general public, state police powers, state
4: jurisdiction, state jurisdiction, state law.
1: Um, why I'm trying to figure out why the state police would be used for why, why isn't it military that would be, um, responsible for, um, Distribution by, by state police. Posse Comitatis? Uh, yeah, you have to explain. I'm n- not being an uh, no, American, not. you
3: better. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Posse Comitatis. It's basically a restriction of the United States military to operate um, right. on U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. So, you know, outside of maybe the National Guard, but even the National Guard is a
1: state militia, it's a state force right like but the government um yeah my thinking is why wouldn't the national guard be responsible here i mean if the, if the legal framework is one that's being defined by dod for one of a better description um...
3: because in essence because in essence it's it's the executive of the state which has to Authorize the release and distribution of the MCM to its populace. Because it, it is, even though, it, 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 even though the distribution is military and martial and the laws uh, governing its distribution, like even within here, they say um, that uh, stakeholders still have to uh, define the, the mechanism by which the authorization is given. The only thing that the FDC, the only thing that an EUA does is it gives access. Once, so those people who request access, they have their own laws
4: that they have to abide by, their own regulations, their own rules. Especially if you're a state and you're partnering with the federal government in order to distribute this to your population at large just distribute not mandate
1: okay um will I'll try to digest that one um it seems it seems overly complex but um I'm, I'll make the presumption that there are a, a lot of sound legal reasons as to why um why it's being set up that way um
4: Distribution are com- t-
1: contemplated under a martial or military context. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- I mean, there's a bunch of legalese here that I'm I'm not getting. Yeah. So relying on the canon of nocitur associis So, cheese, I don't know. Yeah. Was this that statutory statutory words are often known by the company they keep? Okay, dude, you have to break that down. <laughs> No
3: worries. Basically, you know, what, what I was drawing is that, um, you know, in the United States, the states are sovereign and civilians are supposed to have control over the military. The fact that we're that we're in military legislation, you know, in essence, what is happening is an inversion of what is the constitutional organization of our country. OK, so
1: but, but because... in, in, in a emergency environment um doesn't is it not possible that martial law will supersede constitutional law for the emergency period
3: for for uh, what is declared for um release of the specific countermeasures like everything all the vaccines were released under emerge under emergencies authorizations right an emergency was declared They use that declaration to access the EUA and have further justification to um, use uh, or distribute the vaccines within each respective jurisdiction based upon their own emergency. So it's the state executives that are exercising state
4: authority by declaring states of emergency to justify the distribution of the vaccines. The access, the manufacturing
3: side of things, right, the approval side of it is handled by the feds. But once approval is given and access is granted, how one chooses to utilize that access, especially if you're a state executive, is defined by state law. And even here they Even in using Section 564 as the defense for informed consent, it it, it doesn't hold water because even within Section 564, it says, you know, appropriate conditions designed to ensure that individuals to whom the product is administered are informed of certain information. You know, they are informed of the consequences and of the alternatives and of their benefits and risks.
4: so if section 564 says you have to do this and you're saying that as a state government you're bound by this and you're not providing me this then you're not providing me informed consent um
1: so well this is a going off on a tangent question so um -hmm. Say for example, you, they set up a vaccine. Um, you know, like they were doing it in car parks and places like that. And, and uh, are they are they then de facto military operations on the ground? In, in search- essence, in,
2: in
3: civilian garb, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yep.
4: In my view, yes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. That, that opens a whole box of worms in this particular instance in my mind. Mm-hmm. But, but, well, and this this comes down again to uh, the consent issue, right? You you have to surely you have to inform the individual that it's a military operation that they're being part of.
3: Not, necessar- not necessarily in that. It, when it hit that level, not necessarily. No? No. Because, and they address that. Um, the only thing that uh, Section 564 um, mandates in that respect is that they are informed that uh, it's an EUA um, and that they have the choice to either receive it or not receive it. And then if they start asking questions, then you can give them some fact sheets. But even within Section 564, they say, typically, fact sheets will suffice. Well, we're, I'm in a non-typical situation. So in untypical situations where fact sheets do not suffice, well then, what is the governing rule as to how, how that relief is granted? And federal courts have already said this is state police power, so it would have to be in a state court under state law
1: so someone in my chat is just saying "I'm actually surprised that martial law wasn't implemented if only for a short period of time i would I would respond to that, that they have implemented martial law because of the emergency use and if, if this if if I'm understanding this correctly, this is um the legal framework for that martial law correct.
3: It's their excuse. It's their their legal...
1: uh, I'm going to run away and
3: hide. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yep. Pretty disturbing.
3: But hey, you know, it says Section 564 provides that this section only has legal effect on a person who carries out an activity for which an authorization under this
4: section is issued. Oh. Well, that's interesting. You know? So it has legal effect.
1: So, uh, wait, 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 wait! Effect. So, so it has okay. le- le- legal effect on the person who's um, carrying out the vaccination, or the uh, recipient?
3: Carries out an activity. Totally. That could be the executive. That could be the person giving the syringe. Mm. Anyone
4: who is carrying out an activity under this authorization is
1: bound. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, in my mind, exactly how martial law operates. So, so, uh, you know, correct me here, but um, like under martial law, they could take traffic wardens and give them policing powers. Right. And say, um, yeah, you're no longer just looking for tickets. We'll give you a gun and you, you now go out and enforce our martial law. And in in effect, what this does is pull in the medical workers who are well, responsible for making sure that vaccines are delivered and, uh, um, well, it's turning them into de facto military. Correct?
3: I, yes, I can see how that,
4: yeah, I can see how that view um would stand. Yeah. Because they're operate because cuz they're operating under under military legislation. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, and remember that absent this section that it was illegal. So they couldn't do it otherwise. Right. This is the only thing that exists that provides any legal foundation to the validity of what they in their minds is valid. Well, their this, operations.
1: This is actually really disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It, it is. And um, uh, so, surely it's incumbent upon them to f- fully define to the to all those volunteers, right, that they were being inducted into the military. Did they do that? Uh, no,
3: because they, they were still operating under civilians, under civilian authorization. So, you know, the the military um, kind of like legislative aspect would have stopped at the executive branch of the state that would have authorized it. Because then you would be under state jurisdiction and under uh, civilian law at that point, and which is exactly the point that I'm making, you know, that it is – You know they're not military. Those people who are injecting them, like the doctors, they're they're not military. They're operating under military um, doctrine, though. No, no, they're operating under a civilian authorization that was granted by the state government. The state government partnered with the military in order to implement it within their own jurisdiction.
1: But it seems a very
3: fuzzy. Once it hits their, once it hits their jurisdiction, it's the state jurisdiction that has authority. That's what the courts found. That's why there's no federal mandates. Once a civilian executive says we're going to distribute this in my state, it becomes a civilian operation within the state under state law. It's civilian. It's civil law within the state. In essence, as soon, as soon as it crosses into their borders, it becomes a state issue, a state civilian issue. Outside of the borders, it's military.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, just, obviously, I don't have the legal chops to pick it apart, <laughs> but the it just it, it seems a, 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 a like I say a fuzzy distinction that oh. It, a, 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 a boundary that's made out of convenience. that say, "Oh, yeah, it's not, it's not military now." Um, even though, even though it's from military legislation, we'll we'll now say it's civilian yeah. once, once it yeah. reaches the state level, and that that seems a very weaselly way of. Um... It, it is. It is. It's very weaselly, and it's exactly your feeling. It's
3: exactly your kind of incomprehension. That the court was faced with when I presented it to to them. Mm. Because it's exactly this types of confusion that should not exist within the law. Are we under federal military law or Mm. are we under state law? I'm in state court asking a state judge about something that the state clearly has jurisdiction under, but they're saying, oh, no, we don't because federal law. They can't do that. At least that's my argument that's what and the judge will tell me
4: whether i'm right or wrong here in about two weeks um
1: d- well y- yeah i'm I'm. like i say um what did 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 the did the judge seem to display the same type of confusion that i'm having right now um it, when you spoke last week, or, or or was it, or did she just sort of brush it aside as um inconsequential? Uh
3: no, because I brought up a substantive law, so um, and she realized as soon as I had uh, cited um the the statute,
4: so it's thirty two point one dash three five, go back up. Once I had cited this, and I told them that they were ignoring
3: uh, a duty that they did not have sovereign immunity to,
4: no one knew that I was going to say this other than me when I said it. And this caught the AG off guard because this didn't exist in writing.
3: This was an error that I corrected in oral arguments because I found it in a
4: case that he was citing (laughs) for himself. Thank you, nugget. Okay, so
3: this really does provide me statutory standing because the legislature has said, we're not gonna waive sovereign immunity. This is very important when it comes to long COVID. They can't say no, they can't play games. Okay. and I'm trying to make a consequential argument to their failure of this duty and trying to link it to informed consent
1: uh, 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 just to step back I'll uh, we'll, we'll go back a little bit the, uh, the, the 2004 um, ruling the 5 564 was it um, section 564 yeah um, how was that brought into legal existence? What was the... There must have been legal back and forth as to um, how... if that was constitutional or not, surely.
2: Uh Well,
3: it's constitutional. Well, <laughs> the authorization is constitutional because it exists in law. Okay. Either that and it, the constitutionality of it has to at least to this point has not been challenged you 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 you, write, you raise a very good question how is this constitutional because mm. as we said earlier prior to this section existing
4: it was illegal
1: mm. yeah it's it just well i, I don't know <laughs> i'm just i've watched too many uh um TV programs about courts and what have you. I I, was, I would have expected some, some dogged lawyer to be standing up and you know, trying to point point out what a overstep that the the legislation is. Because cause again, I come in my mind, it comes down to how how can they take a um, a, a component of martial law and then and then just say once it's issued to the state, it's no longer martial law. It's, it seems a really big jump no, leg- it, legally. It,
3: it, it, it is a big jump, and it was too big of a jump for the federal government to hold legally in federal court.
4: Your issue has already been ruled on. Oh. Yeah. Oh. They, can't, they can't do it. Okay. Not from a mandated standpoint. That's why the feds can't do it. They say the states can, but the feds can't. The states can because it falls within state police powers, because it's non-economic activity. So federal courts, federal military legislation,
3: federal mandating, squashed, done, not happening in this country, mm-hmm. already ruled long-standing statute going back to the 20s
1: but uh, their workaround is to just palm it off to state police correct (laughs) correct and that's why we're dealing with state
3: jurisdiction that's why the quest for informed consent must be held in the states must be held in state court that's why it's a
1: proper venue Okay, uh, I'm I'm wrapping my head around it now. So um, did the judge have any comment on this particular part? I mean,
3: well, so when I said a vaccine is both a drug and a biological product, she was taking notes fervently um, because she was she was given the case um, at the last minute. The judge who was originally supposed to hear the case had um, a jury trial that ran
1: long. I we you were scheduled. you're going to say uh, died suddenly.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: oh, man. That's crazy. I died suddenly. Yeah. Test them. You need to test them for steroid lipofusins, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's what it is. The only thing that makes sense, brother
1: well um, I can have a go i mean i'm I'm gearing up to do a bunch of rodents um i mean my my focus is gonna be amyloid but um well i'll i'll Just... try I'll, I'll look into what's what's required for the, the stain I imagine lipofusin is an easy one um
3: yep. all you need all you need is a comparative from someone with her masky pot, like, you know, and run the
1: search. Please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's
1: doing it's doing the histology, um and and seeing if you if it stains locally around the around the delivery spot. Um yeah. but I know man. I've got lots to sort of, you know. I mean, basically, my lab is packed up all behind me, and um, mm-hmm. it's uh, there's a lot of pieces to get in place, and I, I imagine the first time that we go through this, uh, it'll be a steep learning curve anyway, just, uh, just synchronising animals and delivery, etc., people on the ground to um, conduct the experiments. Yeah, I'm um I well, I'm a I'm aghast at this this piece of legislation and how it's um how they've tried to enact it. Very, very disturbing. Yep. Yeah.
3: But if you know what it says, then you can create traps where um they'll necessarily fall into, you know. And Where I kind of zeroed in was the the benefits and risks, because it also says, you know, the extent
4: to which such benefits and risks are unknown. So if you know that this
3: medical injection is going to create the causative agent for long COVID, what are the chances of me contracting long COVID? Even if you don't know, you have to tell me that you don't know but it's a valid question to ask
1: Yeah, and one that I did ask. And if they don't know, you have the right to say no. That's, that's medical ethics 101. <laughs> 101. <laughs> yeah. Um, it
3: really is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we need to place them in a position to where they have to provide it. And luckily for me, um, because this is a dangerous disease and pathogen as per, law they also do not
4: have cyber immunity to ignore it mm. one two punch mhm
1: okay bang did you, did, could you videotape the time in the court was that available that be, and, uh, or...
3: n- there was a court reporter um the words were recorded but they did not allow uh any um cameras uh in there yeah so, I kind of addressed the, the EUA question within the sketch opinion letter, you know, because as a general rule, state law requires informed consent in writing from human subjects, right? Human research is any systemic investigation, including research development, testing, evaluation,
4: utilizing human subjects to develop or contribute to generalized knowledge, right? Uh,
3: the knowing, volun- so informed consent is the knowing voluntary agreement without undue inducement or any element of force, fraud, deceit, to rest. This is state law. I don't make this up. I don't pull this out of my butt, right? This is state law 32.1, 162.16, snake language. I'll tell you what, even Harry Potter knows how to speak to snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. So, state law contains various exemptions for informed consent, including certain categories of human research. Right, and state law, oddly enough, exempts um, informed
4: consent for research that is being conducted at the federal level.
2: Okay, but this
1: I got. To on that second state law exempts federal research mm-hmm. oh, it's another one of those fuzzy boundaries yep it even says see
3: regulations for the protection of human subjects promulgated by any agency of the federal government shall be exempt from the provisions of this chapter no, no shit right yeah Human research subject to the policies and regulations for the protection of human subjects promulgated by any agency of the federal government shall be exempt.
1: Um, you know? And you have a sort of legal tautology here.
4: Right.
3: You do. Because if you go to the CDC, they say you go to the state. You go to the state, they
4: say you go to the CDC. It's like, where do I go? Right.
1: <laughs> uh. So. Okay,
4: so manufacturers are
3: supposed to include in their EUA requests, you know, a plan for follow up safety, (laughs) including deaths, hospitalizations and other serious and clinical significant adverse events like maybe long COVID anyone among individuals who receive the vaccine under EUA. So the FDA expects manufacturers to do all of this but post authorization vaccine safety monitoring whereas is generally a federal government responsibility right shared primarily by the FDA and the CDC along with other along with other agencies involved in
4: healthcare delivery the virginia department of health is another agency involved in healthcare delivery okay there it is right there
3: as all currently COVID nineteen vaccines are provided by UA manufacturers are mandated to inform ongoing be- benefit risk terminate so ongoing the manufacturers ah, they, are
1: mandated except they tried to hide it for seventy five years those assholes you can't <laughs> not legally mm, yeah I guess I guess that's why it did get re- get released right yep
4: so, so they, Paul...
1: they, it's not like for want of trying though that <laughs> <laughs> they uh. They really wanted to uh, keep it out of the public purview, right?
3: Yeah, they did. That's what your man Rixie found out.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know? Shout out to Commander Rixie. Uh, Straight up, man. Good yeah. good work, bro. Yeah, good yeah, work. yeah. Yeah, man. He's uh, he's a bulldog. He is. You know, the, the only thing that... Uh, You
3: know, I I think where he ran into an issue is he kept pointing to the fear and cleavage site. He said fear and cleavage site I don't know how many times, you know. But why is the fear and cleavage site so important? How did they know of its existence? Why was it such an issue for them? And why did it throw up so many red flags? Because they were aware of PRRA. They were aware that it was the reverse complement for a patented... MSH3 class oncology gene. That's where they're like, oh, shit. We need to cover this up. And that's why they confounded it with all this other stuff. The story is the FCS. It really is. And, and, and it is the main story because it's the main driver of pathogenesis.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, you know? Uh, as Charles was saying, they, they went and put it into, into the shop when they, when they know when they know the sequelae potentially associated with it
3: yeah i mean and i had to give a shout out also to jc he's also done really good work i like i listened to his full presentation and got his views in context and realized you know his what his he can correct me if or you can correct me if i'm wrong but his contention is that a, a zoonotic virus um, such as SARS-CoV-2 will not spread around the world because of the way um, the RNA becomes degraded and necessarily mutates.
1: Yeah, so, well, so there was a paper out today. I put it in the Discord where um, they show uh, in immunocompromised patients that actually it doesn't it doesn't revert. Um, in fact, it gets more pathogenic. look gets well, me... more pathogenic? Yeah, let me let me see if I can pull that up. Uh, just give me just give me a second. Um, where yep. did I put that?
3: Discord. We're we talking about natural infection. Or are we talking about a case but, of
1: uh... n- natural? Well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm guessing they were done. It, this was done in vitro, but with Immuno, I, I need to look properly at the study, Let me, just give me one second, because it's it's kind of an interesting um, observation.
4: Mm-hmm. Let me share my screen with you.
1: So, um, Sigal Lab, uh, Alex Sigal, we looked at whether SARS-CoV-2 attenuates after extensive evolution in immunosuppressed individual, submitted to MedArxiv, archive and available on siglab.net. While it gets screened, bottom line is no, it evolved to cause more cell death and cell fusion. Now if you go down, so starting with Omicron BA1, there was a drop in severe disease because of increasing immunity and changes to the virus itself, which decreased lower respiratory tract infection. The hope is that because the virus evolved extensively, it became milder, better adapted to us. We tested the hypothesis that extensive evolution attenuates SARS-CoV-2 by checking viruses from a long-term infection from a person, with immunosuppression because of advanced HIV disease. We made movies of cellular infection, and this is what it looks like with no infection, so just cells um, doing their thing, moving around mitotically, etc. And you go down, and the virus does some of its damage by making cells in the lower respiratory tract fuse, so it forms syncytia, leading to inflammation. In these movies, taken in cell culture over 50 hours, cell nuclei fluorescent, shown in red, um, here we're infected with virus from early on in infection. And what you'll see is, you, you'll see the red um, blobs begin to sort of coalesce, and the cells basically are dying and forming the synthetia. Mm-hmm. Um, there it's starting. So Yeah.
4: Yeah, there was also a paper out um uh spike induced
3: uh causing lymphocyte elimination.
4: Mm.
1: As well. Yeah. You know, the spike the spike is the spike is a toxin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, um Note some fusion and death happens at the end. Here, we infected the virus that's been evolving for over six months in the individual. Note the much higher frequency of fusion and death. <laughs> we Quantified the results using automated image analysis, compared infection, induced cell fusion, and fold change in cell number. Means more cell division and less death, Omicron BA1, ancestral SARS CoV 2. So, um, wow, let's go for this. We saw that early day six post diagnosis isolated virus was similar to BA1, however, the later isolate from day 190 of infection behaved more like ancestral SARS CoV 2. It's not simple because early virus was attenuated, however, by parameters we measured, it it became less attenuated, showing that long term evolution does not always lead to attenuation therefore the next major variant if it comes may not may not necessarily be as mild as omicron um this was earlier today wow. so um yeah and look um you know we need jay we need his um we need his mind and um but he's uh, he's making a lot of presumptions at the moment that uh, well,
3: where I think that um, I think he can be brought back into the fold is really just to um, show that a lot of what he posit is, posits is exactly what's going on because what he says is that you need to have a high fidelity um, kind of like clone of something which is able to spread. Well, if you have methyl pseudo-urinated mrna cloning this toxin <laughs> it, it, it would fit his theory actually like there, there is no conflict there At least no i, I mean I
1: I, I I i don't have an issue about um you know the the danger of using um high fidelity clones um the clonal approach is it's old biology is sort of 20 30 years old um the, the the presumption though that they've sort of opened a can and um, squirted it around Wuhan, Iran, and then Italy, and that was it, and then just were reliant on a sort of compliant um press. i d I'm not I'm not sure that captures the complexity of the biology here. Because, you know, there's there's just simple evolutionary principles that if you if you in view a trait into into an organism, it will select for that trait if it if it provides an advantage. It's not it's not going to lose it. And Mm -hmm. otherwise, there would be no um, quasi species of different clades. They would all just sort of what revert back to random genetic noise. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that's that's what we see here, and um, you know the a, a, again, this is a this is from a HIV patient. Um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily apply to all, but you know this is this is a priori direct evidence that um, it's not. Um, it's not reverting back to the sobecco viruses that had been described. Um,
3: I, I would posit that there's too much spike in the environment for it to revert back to. Yeah, yeah, that's the material which is uh, endemic.
1: Yeah, and th- you know, and you have to you have to ask the question: Why do they keep putting the OG spike in the gene transfection? Because they're evil,
2: yeah.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Um, I don't don't know. um, I don't know how to describe it otherwise. These are. Well, look. I'll I'll, I'll say this: reading reading the FOIA release, right, and the extra emails that we got. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think what. We're kind of seeing is the incompetence of the civilian side of the scientific complex, right? Um, and they well, it's not like they didn't know. They were they were f- very specifically describing in their emails. Hey, this looks um, abnormal. Um, this could happen via serial passage. Um, and there's, there's no, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing in their arguments to dismiss a lab origin. Now, a lab origin could have many forms. Yeah. They, they could, especially when dealing with, um, defense orientated programs, be making bucketfuls of clones. Mm Mm-hmm. This, I have no doubt. Um, yep does does the clone just wither away i'm not so sure and this how does
3: how, how does the reverse complement of a patented gene end up showing up in a natural zoo and yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah mm.
3: you know the reason that's there is because it's what's left over with the um you know with synthesizing what you have patented
1: mm. you and, know it's just you know, the other uh, half i've i've sort of postulated that maybe maybe it was because passage was done in those cell lines and it was an unforeseen circum, uh, uh result that maybe maybe they just hadn't looked for um and but, but that's that's the least that i can concede in in, in that particular area with the, uh, around the msh3 gene um and well, yeah. looking looking at their actions leading up to and post the pandemic outbreak um i'm i'm more leaning to malfeasance you have to lean towards malfeasance in, in yeah. this instance but uh,
3: they they had they had, it, they had a vax 3 days after the, yeah. the gene was released mm. Mm. Oh lol. We're the fastest pharmaceutical <laughs> manufacturing in, <laughs> in the history of man. Three days? Come mm. on.
1: <laughs> yeah, but and you know, Charles reiterates this point very eloquently. Um, they knew, and yeah. they they included it, and didn't didn't haven't changed course in two nope. and a half years. Oh, well, it's not two and a half years. Because they know it'd
3: be their ass.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you know the the issue around what what Jay is saying. We need more experimentation, simply, and the experiments that are coming out. And what's Yesterday, I guess. Now, um, is, is would seem to suggest otherwise right now
3: what, uh, what do you want to experiment what do you want experiments for bro like what are we <laughs> <laughs> what are we trying to find out mm. you know how much how much is that grant money you know what i mean
1: well you know look i i don't mind grant money going to research like this that um you know is it is able to sort of address these these fundamental questions and you know you can you you can hypothesize and um postulate uh, uh, all, all you want but it does it, the rubber meets the road with experimentation it, well, uh,
3: how 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 do you hypothesize a human codon optimized mm. 19 codon sequence naturally evolving
1: zoonotically from a bat you, you don't and um this no. is this is where we have them and this is this is why I'm reluctant to um ditch the um the, the diffuse report because you know that is a roadmap to SARS CoV 2. Yes it's on the back of decades of research anyway um but you know th- in this particular instance when when dealing with reality as you uh, eloquently put it with the courts you we should use these documents because it it has all these individuals um named and now should come the shaming these people should be afraid to show their faces in public any anyone who's gone round trying to cover for or or gaslight the public into believing that this was um a a bat pangolin orgy in deepest china uh, in remote caves and it just um i'm I'm gonna gonna
3: tell you where 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 this where the follow-up is on this because you're exactly right and those documents and that information should be used to the fullest extent of the law as they can be used yes yes now is that is the best venue for that federal court or do you think that it may find a more
1: well we're trying to get it into into um federal court but, that we're trying to petition attorney generals to bring it to federal court as yep. crimes against humanity
3: correct it's also treason mm. yeah and treason can also be against the states
4: mm. i find you know if you go to florida you go to texas you start making the
3: right arguments in front of the right judge I believe that charges of treason um, could be brought against um, all of
1: these people. I mean, Richard is the person to uh, speak to in this instance. I mean, again, all I, for all this legal stuff, for the um, international criminal courts, et cetera, I just signed an affidavit saying that there were um, problematic um, sequences and epitopes that are suspicious. And... Um, the legal jujitsu, I don't, I don't really follow, right? I'll, I'll go and testify as a witness to the, the concerns around all these amyloidogenic peptides that uh, seem to be stacked up in SARS that aren't there in other, other coronaviruses.
3: Yeah, but well, I mean, if those same amyloid amyloidogenic sequences are on the spike protein that's being made
1: by the vaccine, mm. you know they are and this is you know (laughs) under uh, under no circumstances three years ago would i have believed that they would they would push forward a therapy a medical countermeasure that carried even a whiff of that risk it it I I wouldn't have computed I would I would have just dismissed you out of hand and just said look we we know these risks and um, we've known them since like the 80s so (laughs) but you know everyone's world has been turned upside down y yeah, uh, even even Barrick said back in twenty fourteen
3: that any uh, vaccine strategy based solely on the spike protein was doomed to failure.
4: Didn't mm. know it back then. He he said that in response to the um to the moratorium.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah. well, and uh, again, you know, I I I am a believer, and look, I don't I don't want to see conflict. Right. and um war or blood on on the streets i I, I really don't and that's what that's why I'm trying to push the the legal avenues right yep um but you know maybe maybe, maybe the courts are so corrupted that that there won't be legal redress.
3: Well, Uh, God willing, we will have one example. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Allah Akbar.
1: But, yeah, it's a... Well, it's going to be a difficult few years ahead. And, you know, we're still... Look, Fauch's last press conference, where the... I, I still can't... Put his name in my memory yet? The guy that was taken over, uh, um, Jar Jar, is that his name? But yeah, I was just basically saying, God gave you two arms, one for the flu shot, and one for the COVID. And I, I almost, uh, Idiot. yeah, yeah, and, and and again, you know, it comes down to, and you know, this is this is a uh, you know, another debate issue around, um, what Jay is saying where, um, he thinks that transfection of any protein would lead to the same responses. And in, again, um, I I would just say first principles would say that that's not, not the case. Um, there are, um, look, We get it. We get it. The lipid nanoparticle is bad, right? That that's been known for a long time. We know that they induce um, inflammatory responses. We know that they're highly yeah. We know they're highly (laughs) permissive. We know yes. Um, That's that's all problematic, but it's just one one part of a much much larger um, clinical picture. And you know, I would. I would be of the opinion that, were you um, expressing uh, an endogenous protein, that the impact is likely to be less. It's why I. It's why I'm. You know, it was a discussion in the Discord earlier, um, where so, someone someone commented about um, lipid nano or gene transfection, basically lipid nanoparticles just um, shouldn't be used in therapy, and I I don't think that. I, I I'm I'm of the opinion that um in some instances this tech might be useful. Right? But it and and this applies to end of life, right to try or or um your PUDLAC syndrome, things th- you know, devastating genetic disorders that we have very, very little um treatment recourse to. Um in that instance i'm I'm all for innovation and trying different approaches. What I'm against is the uh, the, the f- forcing a, a metaphoric gunpoint everyone to be exposed to these types of therapies. You don't give mm-hmm. chemo agents to everyone just to prophylactically treat um cancer mm hmm so, I, yeah, I, I, I would, I would just beg to differ with, with Jay about the consequences of the expression products. Um, the,
3: right, um, I agree. The spike at this point. The, the pathophysiology of the spike protein is too well mapped to ignore or just cast aside.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I, and look, I've got a paper yeah. that I'm, you know, sort of waiting to get to, which, um, and you know, there, there are. Previous papers as well, but this this one was Nature, whatever that means these days. That's basically looking at the S2 subunit and saying that's that's amyloidogenic as well. Hmm. Um, and you know you have to you have to ask yourself why why did they insist on a well again codon optimized exact replica of of this toxin. Because Um, they're evil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, It is. It's direct um,
3: population control, eugenics. Yeah. It's an induction or imposition on the health of every person that's exposed to this biologic toxin, which they define themselves as being a virus of public health threat. Yeah, and unfortunately for them, they just ignore the most pathogenic protein and decide to inject it into everybody as as a health countermeasure. Like, yep, there's no logic, there's no reason there, and I, and I'm not going to try and find it. Mm. You know, because it's just evil and it's just a direct attack on the creator.
1: Yeah, and look, I, I I'm down with <laughs> pushing back against this. Well, to steal a phrase from um Klaus oh, Schwab, this next industrial revolution and this new way of structuring society. I don't I it, it, it's antithetical to everything that I've believed as an adult. Um of course of course we should push back against it. Of course we should be discussing every component that um is uh, being forced upon us because of the last couple of years and you know that's obvious in the g20 just turning around and saying oh we're gonna we're gonna adopt um who guideline driven digital vaccine passports for everyone well they don't. I can't. hang on a minute <laughs> just just hang on Washington
3: Post even came out yesterday and said that um more people are vaccinated or dying of COVID. Fifty eight percent. Yeah. You can't hide it. When the Washington Post starts bro <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I I mean there's a um there's an element of what you can um what's it called uh, base baseline baseline denominator confound. Is that what it's called? But you have to you have to look at it at sort of um, per per capita of popular per hundred thousand, for example. Um, you can't you can't just say uh, um, it's this percentage. You have you, you know you have to look at it as proper ratios with the correct denominators etc. But um, I, I I would just say if people are people are dying even after receiving the medical countermeasure well you know that's a failure correct that's a failure on the part of the the therapy it's a therapy that doesn't work and a, again it's the, a
3: therapy which inhibits your innate immune system
2: yeah. squashes <laughs> yeah. it
3: 50% per per series mm, yeah you know the, these people are walking around, you know, 12 and a half, 25% functional in the immune system to actually process anything else into an antigen so that they can get an adaptive antibody.
1: Yeah. And you know, this, I, I think this winter is going to be a real insight into where we are. And I, I pray that it, there's nothing, right. That it's, it, all the deaths normalize, all the disease rates normalize, etc. But I, I think the signals are already there that we're going to see um, continued excess death, opportunistic pathogens, all, all of the correlates that you would expect once you've um, gone and assaulted the immune system of an individual. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Glutathione depletion. You know, notwithstanding, like that's a whole nother story that nobody mm. even wants to touch with a ten-foot pole. Mm. You know, well, let's inject
1: the elderly. elderly, be mm. are dumb, mm. dumb. Yep. And let I say, I'm. I-, I would like to think everything's over, and um, but I'm. No, man. This no. this is uh no,
3: it's gonna. For as as long as people are lining up for their booster, for as long as these pe you know these idiots are on television
1: saying this is why I got two arms, they are going to continue to wreak havoc. Yeah. So it's it's incumbent upon all free and sovereign men and women uh, to steal a line from Monty Python: um, the to push back. It, what you you you're going to be there on your on your I'll steal a line from uh, Braveheart? What would you give? <coughs> Lying in your bed many years from now. <laughs> um. So not real, yeah. We're there. We
3: are exactly there. We're yeah. at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean... um, you, you you've got to if you if you are not pushing back, um, then. Well, damn your soul, I guess. So
3: well, your man, soul tr-
1: is already damned. No,
3: dude, just trust the plan, man.
1: <laughs> right.
3: Right. Um, All you gotta do is eat your popcorn, you know, watch the screen and, you know, just trust the plan because Trump's gonna save you salt to eat.
1: Yeah. Well, you know. Lemmings. Lemmings, yeah, indeed. And, look, um, Something's stuck to me. Where's that fucking come from? Get off. Um, the, you know, so it's sort of um go go back to the points that sort of Jay is raising. You know, I'm not. Um, I, we we need ex exploration of the that theoretical space, right? So, um. <laughs> more 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 power to him um but the you know the the guiding principles are are always your clinical presentations and of course um the data from the bench and um i'm i'm of the opinion that the bench data and the clinical data doesn't support his um, much of his premises, Hypothesis. yeah, 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 gotcha. So, More power. Yep, yeah.
3: but um, let me get back onto some premises <clears> which throat> throat> uh, maybe we can
4: use to to push back. Let me just bring
1: your screen up.
4: There we go. Yep. Yeah. All right. So here's the gig, man. You know when, uh, and, and this is really where
3: the rubber hits the road. When the FDA issues an EUA, it is providing an access mechanism to a medical countermeasure needed for emergency response. Under the EUAs for the vaccines, FDA provides maximum flexibility to emergency response stakeholders,
4: local, state, public health, governments, response partners, as defined in the EUAs. By
3: authorizing them to identify or authorize the types of personnel and responders that be the most appropriate to administer the product to specific populations, and identify the mechanism for authorizing as such, so they leaving it to the state stakeholders to identify the mechanism because it's in their jurisdiction. Providing an access mechanism to a medical countermeasure is separate from providing informed consent, as per state statutes, for choosing to implement the technology to the general public in each jurisdiction.
4: Let me just process that one again. Separate
1: uh, okay. from uh, providing informed consent, how is it? How can it be separate? But okay.
4: Because the only
3: thing that the FDA did was provide the access mechanism. Once you choose to utilize that access mechanism to a countermeasure, then the process of informed consent ends up becoming All's on the, the response: Correct. the responsibility of the person that is utilizing the access mechanism. Remember earlier when I said that Section 564 applies to anyone
4: utilizing it? There you go. So the reason FDA provides maximum flexibility to emergency
3: to, to stakeholders by authorizing them to identify or authorize the types of personnel that would be most appropriate is because state statute
4: takes primacy over federal law. So, NFIB v. and to mandate that a person receive
3: a vaccine or undergo testing falls squarely within the state police powers since 1922.
4: Luke v. King. So if state powers govern the force of mandates, they necessarily include informed consent,
3: required under Section 564. Section 564 doesn't say that you can't give informed consent. It just provides an avenue to provide it
4: that is typically satisfactory, typically, being the fact sheets. So if the court absolves Virginia's responsibility to provide
3: informed consent, it would essentially be suspending my ability to receive informed
4: consent. And here it is not inclined to do so, speaking as the court because I'm speaking as a judge here. Petitioner has shown federal
3: jurisdiction has been acquiesced to state police powers for distribution. The responsibility to provide informed consent would would necessarily fall within the dictates of how informed consent is defined in state statute. As any other decision would be an affirmation of an unconstitutional suspension power of the take care clause enshrined in the Virginia constitution. Mm
4: -hmm. It's unconstitutional. I hit him square in the Constitution, which is where you got to hit him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this this so. is this was still all the, or this is the letter post the discussion that we're looking at right now.
3: This is the opinion letter that I provided to the court, providing the legal justification for the order that I'm asking, asking them to sign. Do, do, you, order... do you have
1: the uh, one-page response from the state?
3: No, I didn't. I didn't get that. He, they gave that directly to the judge. They didn't send it to me.
1: Oh, okay. But
3: I, I'm sure it was just a very summary, like, you know, ordered in a judge, you know, your
4: thing is denied, ours is approved. It looked very, um, very, very... Just, not detailed, you know, but God willing, we will have a decree
3: that the spike protein for COVID-19 is a biologic toxin, that any substance making the spike protein is a toxic substance, and that notice must be given for the no, uh, notice of a healthcare-associated infection for all vaxes due to the spike protein being the causative agent of long COVID, which it is. It's Recognized the S1 subunit is recognized as the causative agent for long COVID. Bruce Patterson did all that work, he has the diagnostics. COVID long haulers highly recommend if
4: you anyone that you know has it. He is the world authority. Go to him, get tested, he'll help you. Um, like 30,000 plus patients have already been helped. Why, you know,
3: if you're dealing with it, then. Go to the man, and essentially, what he does is, you know, uh, ivermectin plays high in his uh, regimen, but also Moravarok, the CCR5 uh, antagonist, because he's saying that it's it's the CCR5 receptor which is receiving the spike protein from non-classical monocytes. So if you inhibit that transaction, you know, then you're preventing interaction of the spike protein to the endothelium, and then anything pathogenic which could result from that interaction. And then he's like, give it two months, and eventually the cells die out. So it's basically a waiting game. You know? And and the odd thing about it is that the spike protein also increases senescence. So
4: these things are living a little bit longer than what they would otherwise, you know, normally function as. But. A little bit of... (laughs)
3: pharmacology
1: for you there yeah i mean you know my my sort of take-home message for people is the um those long haul estates are neurological primarily and i would we we, we've got a good handle on why it's the case and it's microglia activation um and you've got to try and turn that down and you know whether it's Stem cell growth factors cytokines or more classical pharmacological um approaches um it's it's a it's a tractable problem medically it's just being allowed to approach the problem without fear of having your license taken away, which you yeah. know seems to be on the cards uh in the u s from
4: up yep
3: you're you're gonna doubt the most published cardiologists in history? I mean, come on, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the upside down world in which we find ourselves now. And again, I I would have I would have struggled to comprehend these circumstances three years ago. I, I yeah. would have, uh, you know, I knew that there were problems in academia, right, and mm-hmm. you know the the scientific process had become distorted by publish and perish and the uh, um, hunt for grants etc and um and, and just basic fraud um but the uh yeah, the, oh, oh, jackboot like response against clinicians I would have, I would have never um, thought something like that. I mean, that's literal sort of Soviet Union type stuff. It is, um, and but here here we are. Here we find ourselves.
3: And... Yeah, here we are. Here we find ourselves, and and God willing, in uh, you know, roughly what two three weeks time, we will have a legal decision from a court of law. With a foundation that everyone else could then be able to spring forth from and make use of, and and, and I I really am of the belief that once this goes our way,
1: well, come back in the chat. Good to see you. And she says, I would never <laughs> expected most of my colleagues to be mindless followers. um no. exactly. Yeah, well, but that's what we got. What...
3: Once it's legally designated in a court of law as a biologic toxin, everything else goes out the window. You know, all that new stuff, whatever, they found in a court of law. This is the truth. And all of the, everything that we're discussing here is legal material fact. Everything, us discussing the biologic toxicity of the S1 subunit is admitted as legal material fact, it is the truth. It's fact. At least in Virginia, Virginia Court of Law. Attorney General said so. Virginia Department of Health said so. Even they don't even they do not disagree with that. They can't. The only part that they're arguing is my legal standing to sue them and
4: call bullshit. And unfortunately for them, they don't have sovereign immunity. They have to let me call them bullshit.
1: A lot. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly grateful that you're you're doing this stuff. I mean, it's so it's so out out of my wheelhouse. Um, you know, my my response was just to be a uh, bull in the china shop and just <laughs> just, uh, just well, I don't know, a sort of game of the emperor has no clothes and mimetic warfare and that type of thing, and you know it got me got me noticed i guess but um
3: for for me i was like if i'm going to convince anyone i want to convince a judge i don't care about people on twitter Mm. i don't care about people on facebook you know i'm I'm suppressed anyway but they cannot suppress me in a court
4: I'm the one bringing suit. They have to react, and if they don't react, then I win by default. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. What? How far? It's two weeks away, right? Before we
4: judge said latest December ninth. So yeah, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks away, pressure <laughs> I hope it works. When this goes, bro.
3: When this flows, all hell's going to break loose in academia. Oh, you said, oh, you said, I can't believe, oh, I never, oh. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that, look, uh, your social media output and your position should be taken into account when it, it comes up for review. There are so many. We could gut most, well, all university departments, I think. Um, there's, there's no, uh, there's no excuse for not speaking up. What, you're scared for your pension? Fuck you. You're worried about your grants. Fuck you. Um, you would, you were trust in the science. Fuck you. Um, and yeah, yeah. Let it burn. That's what I say. saying. Yes, let it
3: all burn Let them all All just desserts L- Let them talk to their friends about how they've been advocating You know, the injection of a biologic toxin Into their fucking children
4: mm.
3: You know So That's, that's, that's really going to be the, uh, the other shoe to drop Is going to be this Assault on children which is going on mm. In the United States on both the physical And psychological level Yeah you know, but uh, we we need to take care of the physical side first because it is an ever-present, clear danger to the health of the uh, of anyone who gets it. Period. Mm. Especially children.
1: Yeah. So the rest
3: of their lives, immune suppressed. It's so ridiculous. this
1: this actually sort of um, comes back to uh, the discussion uh, about Jay actually. So. Um, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that uh, the that there probably were different batch recipes. Probably some yeah. that were blanks. That's what our data seems to show. Um, and but I think probably lipid nanoparticle was in most of them. Now, so most people have been exposed to lipid nanoparticle and we haven't seen well not that we haven't seen um the adverse events are not like fifty sixty percent of people receiving them right if if we if you know if the upper estimates I've seen are sort of like fourteen, fifteen percent. Um in so it, w- it would tell me that that the lipid nanoparticle is less of a problem than receiving a good dose of the RNA for this spike. That's, and you know, you, you just from first principles again, that's where you've got to start looking. And you know, I think I think the data's already out there. Um, Professor Burkhardt in Germany. Has has done this work already. I mean, you know, me going and doing a mouse, uh, a a rat is sort of by the by now because uh, because of his data, and in his data he shows that um, you can see around blood vessels in the brain um, inflammatory markers, the um, the breakdown of the vesicle wall, but you see expressed spike protein. Hmm. And that's the critical um, data point here. Hmm. And so the French dude, and I mean, I don't know what his expertise is, or he doesn't seem to have... um, Giroux? Giroux, something like that, I think his name is. um, Who's just saying it's all lipid nanoparticle. Uh, no, you don't you don't just get to roll that off um when when dealing with such complex biology. And um, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we've got this data now, um, again I would encourage it the presentation is in German but the slides are um self explanatory. Please go watch Professor Burkhardt and he lays out the um the data that we've been looking for that where where you see vascular injury, where you see um, sp- well ostensibly cellular damage in the parenchyma, you see S one being expressed. So um, and, you know you could get all um, ridiculous about it, and you know chicken and egg and what have you, but um, I I would. Look at the look at what is known known toxins and not on, not only does he show um s one expressing he shows that there's amyloid build up as well he does the congo red staining hmm. which is what I plan to do um so you know it's like I say, I I am of the opinion that we have uh, enough um, enough data to hand already. <laughs> this, you know, you, we've already got the data for myocarditis as being, you know, more associated with gene transfection than the uh, the the disease itself.
3: Yeah, because the whole thing about. Um better uh outcomes as it relates to natural infection is keeping spike out of the blood mm. but that's exactly what these people do with the injection they inject it directly into the blood yeah yeah
2: and
1: give thing it's disturbing um i'm gonna ask that you just um do S1 in fibrinogen activity, um, read that to people. I've just got to take a wee break. 20 seconds, dude. Or I'm going okay. uh, to, I'll be back in a second. <laughs>
2: it's
3: all good. Yeah. Uh, S1 inflammogen and fibrinogenic activity is a result of uh, riser prostorius work out of South Africa, where she basically found that uh, the S1 subunit itself can induce um I guess platelet expansion and uh, an increase in fibrinogens which she calls a fibrinogenic uh, response and it's the fibrins themselves which are like protein threads that are forming syncytia so they're binding their RBCs so when you're seeing that video um, that doc was showing earlier basically what you're looking at is an increase in fibrinogenic activity which is causing syncytia and then also lymphocyte elimination uh, which is leading to a low, low white blood count. So, you know, a study on the effect of, and, and this is this is groundbreaking work uh, because uh, this is really the first hint of the S1 subunit being able to do this. But she says sui generis, on its own. So this is really, you know, the S1 subunit itself, which is causing a, a pathogenic response in the body, which is leading to. All kinds of stuff, thrombotic thrombocytopenia, a lot of other things. So, a study on the effect of isolated SARS CoV 2 spike protein S1 subunit showed it as a potential inflammogen sui generis using scanning electron fluorescence microscopy as well as mass spectromet- spectrometry. The study investigated the potential of an S1 inflammogen to interact with platelets and fibrinogen directly to cause blood hypercoagulation. Using platelet-poor plasma, it has been found that the spike protein interferes with the blood flow and mass spectrometry showed that when the spike protein S1 is added to healthy PPP, it results in structural changes to B and gamma fibrin, complement 3, and prothrombin, and these proteins were substantially resistant to trypsinization in the presence of spike protein S1. So trypsinization is a process of cell dissociation using trypsin, a proteolytic enzyme which breaks down proteins to dissociate adherent cells from the vessel in which they are being cultured. So like your von Wilbrand factor, I believe, is also uh, one mechanism of trypsinization. They found that the von Wilbrand factor itself, what she found, is that uh, it actually gets caught up within the amyloid clots. So the very mechanism that your body would use to dissolve it ends up being trapped within these proteins or these these uh these fibrinogens, fibrinogenic structures and it causes
1: uh I'm back dude oh, thank you. Thank you for holding
3: <laughs> Yeah, I was coming over Rise of Persoria stuff. That she uh, she did yeah. great
1: work. Yeah, yeah. Work. And um the world owes that lab uh a a great debt for um getting that work out so quickly. And you know, it's it's a shame about what's it called died suddenly that documentary because it is stupid Peters and they fuck up in it right so that they've they've used people that didn't die but we've got this new phenomenon emerging right and you know to see autopsy footage being done is great right but they they balls it up and um it just again it just makes it harder for those of us that are trying to sort of stick stick to the science um to uh well to to keep pushing back well you know mi- millions of people have watched it as well so there's yeah. there's there's that but
3: I, I will not fault them for the impact that they're having and mm-hmm. the evidence that they have to show which is irrefutable I mean, when you're pulling this stuff out of people's veins, you know,
4: <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's.
1: But and you I know, they 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 begin the documentary with like scenes of Bigfoot and UFOs. What the fuck's that about? <laughs> are they just are they just trying to? Oh, I don't know. I think they, I think they
3: were trying to make the correlation that um, you know people are speaking of the the about. the toxic reality of the spike protein and what it's doing and, you know, akin to a conspiracy theory like other people. You know, I think that they're trying to draw that correlation visually, but yeah, I know what you mean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a a stupid, stupid move. And, you know, they they would, well, in my mind, they would have sealed the deal had they just stuck to the the observations. You know, I don't... don't, uh, I don't know, maybe, it it could be these embalmers are just actors.
3: What would have really sealed the deal is if they would have mentioned the furin cleavage site and the MSH3 class gene. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been
4: like, ah! Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, and um, they don't don't mention that we we know what that phenomenon is. We know these are amyloidogenic um, plaques. Clots for mm-hmm. a better expression um and you know it, they it's not like the information wasn't there they could well he's not gonna speak to me because I went and blasted uh what's her name that's blom bimbo Made Maday. yeah, Carrie Maday. and what's the other one with the with the magnetic discs that were bubbles. South, she was South African. Oh
3: no. I, I kinda wanna touch on um one other aspect which has come up before, um and I think is a really fun one, and it's this uh the sequence which binds to Alpha Seven that's on the R B D.
1: Yeah, the the cholinergic binding, um or irreversible binding mm-hmm. um peptide sequences. Well, again, you know, there's elements of truth. He did that fucking Venom in the Water um, bollocks, right? But, you know, there was some truth in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You really had to drill down, you know, and mm -hmm. I
3: think that uh, maybe artists could have um, done a little better on getting into uh, how they isolated the protein cuz you know there were specific antibodies which were coming up those antibodies correlate with some type of Bungoro toxin well okay but take the next leap you know where exactly is this appearing how you know where does the sequence appear on on the virus in this case it's on the RBD and then two how is it possible that um those types of venom like effects on the body could happen you
1: know so and um, you know. the you know the impact on the autonomic nervous system is something that I've been trying to well when I'm not taking the piss but um but when i'm when I'll do a scientific orientated stream it's it's to um hammer this point home that these um, cholinergic toxins can, that they, you, you need very, very small amounts to have very, very large impacts. Mm-hmm. And the just put in the, oh, yeah. the vagus nerve. And yeah, they, you, exactly. you, you interfere with the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve um, drives the body's, or it's responsible for much of the body's anti inflammatory response. So as well as
3: autonomic.
1: Yes, yeah, um, I did say autonomic. Um, so the okay. vagus nerve is um, sort of part of the parasymp- uh, this parasympathetic branch. Parasympathetic, Can and we... the um, yeah, it, it's its role in anti-inflammatory processes is well known. That this is classic, decades-old pharmacology. It's why nicotine has the effects, it does. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the, well, it's, it's one of those things that you have to be, you have to know, right? Yep. It, it,
3: and if, if I may, you know, in terms of visualizing the spike and where this sequence appears, you know, many people don't realize that the the spike protein itself, the S1 subunit has an open or up position and a closed or a down position. And in order for the spike protein to bind to ACE2, it needs to be in the up or open position because if it's in a closed or down position, it's that part of the protein, of the RBD is not exposed to ACE2 to bind. But the part that is exposed while it's in a closed or down position, is the sequence that will bind to alpha seven.
1: Yeah, well, it's and it's not just there. There's there's a a bunch of loci on the spike protein that are cholinergic binding. Mhm. Um, just this just this one in particular. No. Um. And you, you know what else it has a big role in Plotting. Hmm. So hmm. the you know it's it's a very exquisite manipulation of these pathways to bring about these complex disease states. Yep.
3: Um, and then you have what's the uh reactive uh, reactive oxygenation the ROS and like, multiple pathways man it's like it's not just and i, I think that a lot of people kind of get zeroed in and are trying to find that one and many don't realize I, I believe that you yourself do that there are many different pathways of activity to drive pathogenicity yeah
1: um, um i mean you, you could make a whole research career out of just one of these pathways i mean you know i my I, I'm sort of interested in second, third order effects, right? That's you know how it manifests clinically. That you know the, the molecular biology. I was it was always a sort of bit dry for me. I learned what I needed to, and um, but the um, yeah, it's it it is a, it is a fundamental to the biology. You have to you know you have to be aware of them at least. And, you know, the, and look, we've moved on since I was doing my undergraduate and postgraduate with, you know, with, there's been a sort of exponential increase in the understanding of these pathways. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm, I'm learning just as much as other people are, um, at, at this time. Yeah, the things that we were um, well, they just weren't on on the radar when I was a student. Mm-hmm. There are now. Are
3: you are you looking at more direct primary effects that you ever really even get into? I guess the cascade.
1: Um, what happens You mean what what was I sort of focused on in my research career? Well, well, you know, my my focus was um surgical intervention with deep brain stimulation and so deep brain stimulation is not a, a, a cure it's a treatment for symptoms and um you know when you when you got a therapy like deep brain stimulation which worked so well for parkinson's suddenly mm-hmm. you've got a new hammer and everything turns into a nail and so the idea was was to try deep brain stimulation for all all manner of symptom uh, of particularly neurological um disorders and um you know there was a lot of work going into trying to u- utilize it for neuropsychiatric disorders and that's what i well, what i sort of carved out in my career and i was the sort of first to Sort of demonstrate that it could be used in those well, in, in this in this case, um, OCD type conditions, tick like conditions, um, and um, yeah, it it works, um, but it's not a you're not curing it, you're suppressing it. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, um <laughs> <I> bore people <laughs> with it. Go to my research gate and bore yourself stupid with it. Um <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, maybe we
3: should write maybe we should write a paper, you know? Look, well, I'm
1: I'm I'm happy to put my names on paper. I'm i I'm I'm too fucking lazy now.
2: <laughs> I'm too old.
1: <laughs> I'm too old and uh traumatized by years of uh years of writing where you would just you know you would fire something off, and then you've got be it grants or manuscripts, and then it's just a painful, painful process to um, keep keep submitting, keep changing the format to fit a journal, etc. And um, mm-hmm. the ugh, <laughs> there's no joy left in writing for me anymore. It's <laughs> I just I'm traumatised. <laughs> <laughs> And, and 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 you know I make a I make a big um, deal of how broken I think these publication systems are. So what? I'm going to keep putting papers in, keep supporting the system because if you, you want to publish paper, it's going to cost you five grand. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, minimum. Probably a lot more now. Already. Mm. So you know I, I'm. I say my my solution would be burn the journal houses down, um, and uh, departments should just put their data up, put the raw data up, put report up, and and a, you know something like Bioarchive, you can just put your paper on there and let the public decide. Hmm. You know, have a comment section under it and let the and have a thumbs up, thumbs down ratio. Sounds like peer review to me. I, I think it would be much, uh, much better than peer review because people just abuse the peer review process. Anyways, just sending it to their mates and um, uh, the, you know, that's all sorts. I mean, you know, in my defence, I would the only thing I would do when I would um, submit a paper, I wouldn't request reviewers. I would just say I don't want this particular group to review the work. Mm. that's it um and you know just because you you get friends and enemies in your research career and um so yeah i i would i would i would never request specific reviewers i would leave that to the journal as a as a point of principle which
3: i had actually wondered if it's even a possibility of uh
4: i getting this published. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how this would fit.
1: I mean, you could write a hypothesis paper. Um, the, but, you know, um, I've, I've always sort of prided myself on coming with data. Paulo, right? Um, yep. Because you can again, you can hypothesize anything, and um, it, it's it's dependent upon having the the bench work to um, to back it up. Yeah. Um,
4: and you know what? That's what law is. Go on. All all you're doing, man, is writing
3: a research paper, and you're finding the benchmarks to present to the judge so that he can give you what you want. You present the hypothesis, and at the end you're like, my hypothesis is right, correct? And the judge says, yep, you're right. And then he signs off. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very scientific. That's why I had said it one time on your stream that once artists get a hold of the law and realize it's just a big logic puzzle, that's all it is. It's a logic
4: puzzle that they give you the rules to. If you want to sue for something, they tell you what do you got to do? What,
3: what, what facts of the case need to be present in order for the judge to find in your favor. It's just a big logic puzzle.
1: So, and then, um, hmm? well, it's, is there more to your publication here that we need to um go over it's it's looks a long document have we covered all of it
3: well i, I don't know that we would cover all of it and it's mostly just case law you know and how it's and how it's been uh <clears throat> and how my case uh, applies so um so here, as in the Supreme Court reasoned uh, in applying Wilkins, this is not a case in which we are invited to answer abstract questions that may be interesting and important to the public, but lack any real errors injuriously affecting the complaining litigants. Okay? Well, it's a serious error to not forward a compulsory report for a dangerous pathogen, right? right. And then say it's not injuriously affecting me, especially within the context of informed consent. So, in the matter before the court, government actors have adopted a practical construction of a constitutional provision that has been acquiesced in for a considerable period, even as demurred by the current respondents' reference to now moot initial matter, SCV 2118184, which this is my first case, filed December 16th, 2021. The current administration is using Section 564 as the federal legal acquiescing instrument to deny informed consent, as well as compelled reporting related to a virus of public health threat, and presenting Section 564 as the cogent legal defense for the court to reason a basis for their
1: motion. It's It's (laughs) mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. You can put that in legal documents? I said it to the judge.
3: I, I said it to her face because you know, what did in how said, well she was just like, "Oh my God!"
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I I, th- I think that that was probably the the most apropos legal thing that I could have said. I mean, I could have said it's absolutely fucking ridiculous, but I don't think it would have lied as well. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep the salty language to a minimum I guess.
2: I have
3: to, I have to. I have to be cordial and keep candor and decorum in your courtroom. Otherwise I find she'll say up oh, contempt. Mm-hmm. Or you know, she'll She'll get uh, her. She would have got her panties in a bunch and felt offended, and then use that as a reason to find against me. I don't want to give her any reasons to find against me. Right. I want her to like me and give her all the reasons to say I really like that guy. I'm gonna say yeah, you win. Yes, please. Thank you so mm. much.
1: Well, uh, you're, uh, you're a you're good looking dude. No doubt uh, that will weigh in your favor for uh... you got a lady oh, judge. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, you know, and I was a little hoarse, so I had like a real deep voice. I was like, come <laughs> on, baby. <laughs> nice. I was just laying it onto her thick, you know. <laughs>
1: uh, Here's my number, call me.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I I had it a goal to uh be up there and talk until she told me to shut up, which is basically what she did. Um and uh in the end, what it's gonna come down to is
1: Standing. Yeah, so go go back to the other thing. So you had a section there that uh, you don't have standing. Did we cover that? Part. Um, Uh, We did. I think. Oral. We touched on it
4: here. Let's go back up here, okay?
3: I believe sovereign immunity demur.
1: No, the other document, Uh, Appendix B, I think. Hmm. I haven't clicked on that one. It would have been here down. Down here? Somewhere somewhere it said and Anthony Penner does not have legal standing.
4: Uh yeah. Penny
3: yeah. yeah, legal standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then these were the cases that they were, that they used. So they used uh Daniels v. Mobley, which is it, it involved criminal law, right? So it doesn't really apply. Um they relied on Lafferty. Um but, you know, citations made by me are actionable to specific denials of statutory right. He was using this as saying, you don't have standing. But if I'm arguing a statutory right, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily have to be harmed, especially within a declaratory judgment setting. So I'm asking for a speedy determination of actual controversies between citizens to prune the deadwood attached to the common law rule of injury before action. Right? That was their case that they used and in this case they say, Hey You know, we need I need a determination before I'm injured. Is
1: I don't need uh, to be is, is dead wood a yeah, legal
3: Yeah, that's a
2: le-
3: that's a legal quote. Yeah. Prune okay. the dead wood attached to the common law rule of injury before action. That is Yeah, it's in this case. I would I have another document with all this stuff kind of
4: out there, but um, I don't know how far in the house. I'll see if I can find it. No, I can't. I can't find it right now. It,
3: but it—it was—it was a. That's a direct quote from the from the case. So you know, and I'm just using it. How how this was. This is almost the foundation of my standing because here the court had already um, provided legal standing without injury, but it was an impending injury. Right. So here in this case, I have the possibility of an impending injury for long COVID. So they have to provide me some type of notice for that. Not only that, but they also have to take that information and pass it up. they, They can't ignore it. They have to make it part of their operations, part of their policy. They do not get to ignore that. You know, Because if they do, then they're in violation of Article 1, Section 7, which states all power of suspending laws or the execution of laws by any authority without consent of the representatives of the people is injurious to their rights and ought not to be exercised. That's our Constitution. And basically,
4: this whole case is about them suspending informed consent. Unconstitutional. Can't do it. So I have laid the foundation
3: uh, to have this judge find in my favor. I provided them this appendix after the oral arguments. The recorded transcripts and hour are there. If they do not, I will absolutely eviscerate them on appeal. There's so many avenues here that are just traps for the judge that if he does not find in my favor, it's going to come back to haunt him. I might even file some type of
4: like ethics complaint. well depending upon depending upon their reasoning
1: well i've tried to uh make a big deal about um you know this is ethics and it, in a in a broader sense it goes beyond um covid um, mm-hmm. because you know if they get away with it this time they can just start applying it willy-nilly to any anything and everything
3: they did like bivalent boosters that they only tested on eight mice. Yeah, that's it's already done, bro. Right? Like this shit needs to be at the forefront of of everybody. I mean, it. I don't want to say it. It needs to be at the forefront of some effort on a state level in all states, especially those who are amenable, like in Florida. I, man, if I lived in Florida, I would love to talk to the Surgeon General out there. I mean, he's already not recommending it. He really just needs to make the next leap and just call it a biologic toxin for what it is. You know, so that we can really get to the heart of this. Because once, once this gets legally designated a, a biologic toxin, everything making it a toxic substance, you can't mandate that. Right. Right? And not only that, but the liability on this thing for all those who were mandated and got it and then did not receive this notice, my man, trillions of dollars. Trillions
1: of Boy, if, dollars. If you tap into that trillions of dollars, don't forget your old mate, Doc Kev.
3: <laughs> uh, no, please, yes, remember me.
1: <laughs>
3: Everyone. <laughs> Was out there. Okay. I even, oh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, all right. All right. American Foundation Form of Consent, boardquestionshere.com. Donation, huh? How about that? Yeah. Found a little little give, send, go going on right there. Yep. Anybody, there you go, folks. I'm, I'm going to throw this in chat. Anybody, I because, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a year. I haven't asked for a penny. And let me ask for a penny.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, some some um, causes are worth supporting. Yep. This is
3: all self-funded
1: <laughs> I, uh, I i i endorse this grift <laughs>
3: please <laughs> um you know because i would like to make a resource i would like to uh do research you know mm-hmm. uh, like i do get off on this um and especially if i win my god man when i win god willing um well uh you know Will really start to turn the screws and I would love to have some resources to help other people turn screws in their own state. Yeah, I really would. Mm.
1: Yeah, that would be great. So what what, what do you think about the case right now? Uh, I forget which state it's in, but didn't they have Fauci on the stand yesterday? Missouri.
3: Missouri was okay. Missouri v. Biden. Yeah, I think it's like Missouri and uh, Louisiana and they're also getting um Saki and a whole bunch of other people. Um I'm really interested to see the outcome of that case. You know, government government collusion with public policy, um, the suppression of speech, you know, and then as the emails show, you know, suspension of clinical data, of medical reality, you know of uh biologic toxins that they're aware of and giving hush hush because oh no we can't let this out we need to we we need to push this paper but not that paper like um yeah Uh,
1: let's hope god come down for them uh, again my my concern in these situations is just how um Objective: uh, The court's going to be are they are they going to you or just be pushed around by vested interests? That's that's well. They
4: they they got the deposition
3: Mm -hmm. and they got them under oath, so there is at least um, some willingness from the court to force them to provide discovery and then based upon that discovery other charges or you know whatever codes that they're suing for um
1: to get relief and then and then there's just the issue around um the you know is it fait accompli with what that you know if, the, if if we're looking at the darker end of the spectrum with what these people were trying to do um you know they 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 got eighty percent of the population with these shots now, maybe maybe it didn't work as well as they were hoping, perhaps because they couldn't they couldn't guarantee the cold chain et cetera and that these the manufacturing wasn't there to establish purity which which we know because that came that that came out from the European union that um they sort of set the bar really low to like fifty, fifty percent active RNA, something like that. Um, so, in well, you know, fifty fifty percent of that eighty percent, if they're if they're gonna develop long term problems, maybe the job is done, bro. Maybe. know five years we'll be we'll be looking at a significant population reduction
3: we are already looking at a significant population reduction on the order of a one in a thousand year event Mm, according to um uh life insurance companies that are seeing these excess mortalities and they're like man we're really paying out a lot of money this year yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know um, And they're going to be part of, because they, they're already itching to start suing pharma. And I tell you, insurance companies have better lawyers than pharma companies.
1: <laughs> you think?
3: I know. <laughs> they write the laws, my man. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Insurance companies
1: run the world, not pharma companies. There you go. So uh, can... Karma just donated to you. Shout out. Thank you, Karma. Shout out to Karma, Doc. Such a sweetheart. She is. Yeah. Wow well i just uh as um people are looking there you go folks this is from karma i've got a whole bag of uh samples to test we'll see if we can find more that don't have a uh, uh phosphorus signature um oh all, all Pfizer, all different batches um, it's about 20 bottles in here one two three four five six 17 seven, 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 seven new samples To go and do uh, EDX mapping.
4: You look like have a lot of lot of fun in that bag right there. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of work.
1: (laughs) A lot of work.
4: (laughs) All right. So, really appreciate everything, Kevin. Mm.
3: You know, uh, giving me a voice uh, and following my. Crazy adventures into legal land. And uh, um...
1: we need this though. That's that's the thing. I mean, you know, the Crimes Against Humanity Tour has been trying to do this, but you're actually in the courts already. Um you know, I I I I guess it's a different different type of case where we're we're seeking criminal charges for, for crimes against humanity. Yours is about establishing mm-hmm. sovereign um sovereign rights. Oh. Um, but. It's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's really,
3: what it comes down to is five things. And the three are, you know, the foundation. Spike, spike is a biologic toxin. Anything you're making in the body toxic substance. Notice of healthcare associated infection for long COVID. The right and responsibility of informed consent to be provided according to state law
4: that's one, and or like on the fourth uh, ring there. And then the fifth one is
3: compulsory reporting as it relates to dangerous diseases and pathogens. And with that discovery, um, as well as the acknowledgement that it is beyond the bounds of sovereign immunity, at least in Virginia, It really does give hope and a crumb to the existence of this same type of law in other states, which means that sovereign immunity is also waived in other states as well. So if everyone is armed with the knowledge that the S1 subunit is the causative agent for long COVID, and the trick is to get Someone in the Department of Health to admit it. Here you go. You've got another with... donor.
1: You got another donor comfortably numb.
3: Thank you, comfortably numb. <laughs> awesome. I really appreciate that, man. Y'all, y'all don't even know. Um, but you know, and and on the flip side, not to say y'all shouldn't be donating, but um, the when I first sued the governor in the Supreme Court. Outside of the cost of paper, it cost me
4: 50 bucks to sue the governor. Right? In circuit court, I'm suing the Virginia Department of Health and the Health Commissioner. $10 filing fee. (laughs) It costs you
3: 10 bucks. You don't need thousands of dollars. Mm. You just need a little time a little reading and research
2: and
1: some writing and 10 bucks Violet. I wish, uh, I wish lab idea. time was that cheap, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: well, it's, it's not, I mean, this mm. is, this is, this is over a year of work, mm. you know, mm. um, uh, pretty, and it's a, it's a year of work that's been done at the expense of everything else. Because for, for me, um, the criminal side becomes much more easier once you have the foundation that you're dealing with a biologic toxin. Yeah. That 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 era of or that the need to prove that aspect would be completely removed. You'd be starting from that foundation. And it's a much more powerful foundation to begin a criminal proceeding against than one was like maybe i don't know you know just and then kind of educating the court in this case the court would have already been educated they can't play dumb right when they can't play dumb i'm giving you all a bat swing away
1: bat with nails on the end yes sir (laughs) um yeah it's uh well the world the world owes you a uh, debt of gratitude Anthony, that's uh, that's for sure. I I certainly owe you a debt of gratitude. for Just, well, coming on and giving your time and walking a legal retard like myself <laughs> this stuff because I I I'd say I don't know this stuff. I mean, I I can I can point to one thing that's in my wheelhouse. That's it, right? And you know, I've been trying to scream the same thing, which is the you know the neurological impact, but um yeah it's i um, um, i mean there's more people stepping forward now but um, and uh, look i'm i'm grateful that they are but <laughs> god damn it where were you uh 3 years ago um it's been and you know the the course that i've taken which is one of um this this looks like you know, out-of-control biowarfare programs has been a very, very difficult path to walk. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you do open yourself up to um, criticism, I guess, uh, or dismissal, right? And, well, you know, turns out we were right, and, you know, you're just
4: one of those maga
3: conspiracy theorists Q eaten people who dance with a frog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, um, I would I would still be sort of um shouting into the void if it wasn't for Charles. Um he's mm. you know, he's the one that's been a sort of conduit for um getting well, the, you know the diffuse proposal. You know he's got other stuff that we're not talking about publicly. But um, huh. you know, um, you know, but the people owe him a huge debt of gratitude as well. And you know, I'm I'm hoping that the both of you uh... carry uh, conceal carry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> st- stay off uh, single engine little planes um yeah. DJ says in keck we trust in yeah in <laughs> in keck Kek we trust yeah yeah um i i'm um, yeah what i say uh so so glad that you've got... and look uh folks um anthony isn't a trained lawyer or anything nope. he's he's just taken the time to sit down and um do the reading and the research everyone can do that so yep. wow well. <laughs> okay. physician heal thyself kevin <laughs> so, I, I, i'm i'm uh I, I, you know going to the lab is easy for me and sort of doing experiments etc but the um i don't want to learn new topics right and you know it's, it's There's respect to Jay for going out and, you know, spending three years genning up on uh, the immune system. I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, again, I I don't know. Well, I I just, I'm going to use age as an excuse. (laughs) I'm just, you know, there's there's a point where just like, can can I just coast for a bit now? Um yes you can get copies of the documents it happens in the chat um actually here we go yeah but if you put the link in
3: through a through a gilded uh link where all of the pdfs um that i've submitted into court uh can be found okay awesome so from my original filing uh to the demurrer um to my motion in opposition and then also motion for summary judgment, which I don't even know that we're going to get there. They may just—I'm I'm hoping they just decide after these oral arguments. So, yep.
1: Uh, put put the link in the in the chat, dude.
3: I did. I'll do it again. Uh, I, didn't see um, it. I didn't see it
1: pop in. One
4: second. I'll, just, I'll do. I did it on uh, YouTube, but I'll do it into the uh, one second live stream. Yeah, that's where all the, yeah, there you go. All the filings can be found there.
1: Mm. Um, Uh, So I I wanted to ask, uh, you spoke for an hour. How long did uh, the state um, solicitor talk, lawyer? Uh, So he talked for the first
3: 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. because it, it it was his, we're there on his motion, so he goes first, then I go, and then he gets a rebuttal. Um, and he said, you know, I I don't have standing because of the previous case that I had, you know, sued against the governor, which I, I don't know. I thought was, I think it's the dumbest argument that you could make because he was arguing a different case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got up there from ten forty until eleven forty-five. And then he finished up, like, the last 10 minutes. He said, oh, well, in things that Mr. Pena said, he, he really didn't, you know, answer your question, Judge, so uh, we're just going to, you know, we don't really have anything to add, and uh, we, we we look forward to your to your judgment.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then we sat down, and I, I fully anticipate that he was expecting her to say, yeah, you're right, you lose. And the fact that she spent some more time Gave him pause to be like, oh uh, boy, I think uh, we're going to be in this longer than what we thought. Um,
1: you you're not wrenched on YouTube, probably not. Uh, wrenched? Uh, that's why your link didn't go into the chat because you don't have a, um, ad, not admin, but a, oh, nice. wrench. What do, what do we call those people? <laughs> people with wrenches. <laughs> In, in youtube admins i don't know but um yeah. i you know what i'm i'm not even sure what channel i'm streaming on right now with youtube so i gotta i gotta got figure out uh which google account to use i'll, I'll do it moderators thank you crystal shaman <laughs> kept Kev's, Kev's tired what can i say i'm i'm feeling the the jet lag a little bit now but i, I wasn't the first couple of days getting back but um yesterday and today I've just been like uh, been I had like stomach acid all all day yesterday and um thank, thankfully it seems to have gone after eating handfuls of uh um formatidin. Um but the uh how how should we say? <laughs> the body clock <laughs> the body clock suffering here. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, just get. I'm getting old. who, who was saying I'd no coat. That was Karma Doc, How dare Karma? i want on coast for a few days right now. Oh, take in my supplements. I am. I'm taking everything. I, I rattle when I walk. That's. I've taken my fish oil and my natokinase and my um the multivitamin and. B vitamin complex and all sorts. It's never ending. Uh, so let me just uh, scroll through the chat and then, um, as as I'm sort of I'm, I'm wilting here a little bit, dude, because there was uh, it it is it is complex um, for me to uh, um, okay. follow follow this legal stuff. And like I say, I, I, again, just. Incredibly grateful to you for, um, yeah, g- going in and um, fighting, sir. My pleasure.
3: And, and anyone can, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. And it's just a matter of reading your state statutes. Um, I filed under a declaratory judgment. You can look up declaratory judgment in your state. And in every public library, There is a book, and the book is of your statutes, of your laws, and in that book, in the public library, will also be the case law, meaning how judges have ruled on cases in the past as it relates specifically to that law. Once you know the statutes and the process and the case law, it's a wrap. Then it's just a matter of creating the conditions necessary uh, in order to have a lawsuit, which is kind of what I did. I knew what the conditions for a declaratory judgment were. I engaged in a conversation with the Virginia Department of Health, knowing what I needed. So all of my communication to them was purposeful. I wanted them to fall into the trap. And they did. And once they did, I wrote it up. I gave the court $10. That
4: was in there last week. And then, God willing, we'll have a decision in our favor in
1: two weeks. May God be uh, praised. Everyone pray. (laughs) Pray, please. It's all a prayer see i'm just i'm just scanning through the chat right now doctor check the batch numbers yeah i will um but look these are these are not cold chained or anything this is just um well i want i want to see if it was a fluke that we got a lack of phosphorus signal in the previous samples maybe maybe um i uh I don't think I did anything wrong. Um, other other controls gave us the the answer we wanted, so um, it's that. Um, Arkosh says, tuned in late, was waiting for this update, so glad it's being treated as truck priority after Kevin returned. You're um, more than welcome, Arkosh, it's uh, Anthony you have to thank, really. Um, these these streams where I'm chatting with someone. That's a that's an easy day for Kev. I don't have to get any tabs ready. <laughs> just just sit and chat with people. Try to sound not too much of a retard, I guess. Uh, let's see. Stelisi says the Pfizer contract stated that national assets were collateral if they got sued. So a bunch of worthless fiat gets doled out as national parks, airfields, etc. Become property of Pharma. Yeah, I've I've heard that um I don't I don't know um I, I again legally what how legit that is I don't know um but yeah I had heard it um do we have a mouse name yet um rat name you mean um we've got a bunch of rat names uh they're on um the synaptic labs uh website uh, if you want to go check um yeah, everyone else chip in. Chip in to a good doc. I want to say thank you to uh, someone in uh, Florida. I did get a dono today. Um, I think that's Florida. Yes. Um, whoever you are in Florida, much, much appreciated. Thank you. Um, that pays for uh, dinner today. Uh, mm. Let's see. Um, the Japanese having a hard time trying to port Dr. Kev to the Middle East again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try to fly under the radar here i was <laughs> i was uh tempted to uh bring all sorts back but um i was too frightened to i've got have got kids there um law trenches says good doggy yes that's a good turn of phrase um let's see discussion about low dose naltrexone um yeah I'm. i'm God, I'm holding out high hopes for low dose naltrexone as a treatment pathway for those with um, long COVID. Hmm. Um, uh, fuck, Google says who is this legend that Kevin is chatting with? This legend, sir, is Anthony Penner, doc Geck, <laughs> as he's known. Um, let's see. Take more vitamins, exercise, get outside, and do what you do and start writing a paper. <laughs>
4: It's calmer.
1: <laughs> more, more hen pecking. <laughs> uh, don't go woke on us now. I'm trying not to go woke, but um, look, I'm, I've made a conscious decision to um, try to uh, tone it down a little bit as we're getting closer to legal um, cases, etc., and um, the. Uh our favourite button will uh, have to be uh um silent till after the court cases are done. and Then we can go ham. Uh let's see, Kev's been told to be more PC on YouTube. Um Well, um it's been been a discussion and uh, look, I'm not uh, if something needs calling out, I'll call it out. Um but uh yeah, I you know, I don't want to um sabotage our uh court cases. Um let's see. Um, let's see. Uh RBC membranes are negatively charged. Um well all all membranes um hold a negative charge. Um let's see probably best stop the tobacco smoking I'm not smoking tobacco how dare you i've got a vape and it's the last one i've got then i'm back on the mints uh, although if anyone has got a link for a uh, refillable good vape and a supply of um, nicotine that i i could order i would be interested please dm me uh, let's see. Anyone got the link for this guest? Is the Twitter link posted earlier for Function Gain? Yeah. Um. Alberto post, posted the link for Function Gain, and uh, you've put your link into your foundation, right, Anthony? Yes. Yeah. So, if, uh, if you want to do that I'll again, do it again. I will. Um. Let's see. Uh Stupid is Nick Fuentes. Kanye, etc. What time to be alive? Alive. Maybe all right so that's uh me run out of uh comments to go through is do you have any uh parting words
3: um one uh as it relates because i keep seeing gain of function come up Mm. okay and i've wrote a article called they knew the danger where i um, traced back uh, Ralph Barrick's comments in relation to um, Fauci's response to Roger Marshall when M- Marshall was saying, Hey, you know, the S1 subunit was previously part of research and it's also the same spike that's on COVID. You know, what say you? And my man is like, Fauci's like,
1: I don't, I really don't know what you're talking about. I really don't know what you're talking about. Can you play that, will it? Um... I. Uh, I well it's it, uh, it sound. Can you hear it? Yeah. I did for a second. Now it's gone quiet. Okay, send me the link. Let's just uh, play that. Right. One moment.
2: Uh copy link. And
4: I'm just gonna send this to you. Yeah, this was this was great. It's about two minutes.
2: Senator Marshall,
4: thank you, Madam Madam Chair. Chair. My My first question for Dr. Dr.
0: Walensky, as a physician, we always want to be able to know and discuss the benefits and risks of anything that we're prescribing, including including a vaccine. It's estimated that 40, 40, maybe 50% of of children have already had the COVID virus. What are the additional benefits to the vaccine to a child who's already had the virus?
1: I think think it very very much depends on on what the variant variant that child child might have had, whether whether they could potentially be infected or or reinfected. reinfected. Um, And, you Um, know, one thing thing I just want to note with the the children children is um, is, I I think think we we fall fall into this this, um, flawed thinking of of saying saying that only 400 of these 600,000 deaths from COVID nineteen, have been in, been children. in children. Um, children. Children are not, not supposed, supposed to die, die. And, and so, so four hundred is is a huge amount for a, for
0: a, season a respiratory season. season. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do- Dr. Dr. Woodcock. How many children under the age of eighteen, of 18 without, without a preexisting, pre-existing condition, condition, a significant health condition, have died from COVID in this country?
2: I don't. I don't country. have that
1: at my, my fingertips, fingertips. I'm sorry. Of course. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't have to date it to my fingertips, fuck you. What are you uh, paid for? So that about
3: uh,
4: three minutes, minutes and 45, 45 seconds. seconds. Uh, b- 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 b-
0: for viral of function, function in, 2014, in 2014. And I think you will be in play behind me here that there, there was a, a moratorium placed place for, for viral gain of function in 2014, in 2014 and I think, think you will agree, agree with, with me, that me that the NIH funded research that led to this uh, an, an S1, S1 spike that looks very similar, if not, not exactly, to exactly, to what's on the COVID-19, COVID-19 spike. Um, what, are what are you referring, you referring to, to, Senator? Senator? Can, can you, you please, please be more, more specific? specific? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So So I'm I'm talking talking about the S1 S1 subunit of the the current current COVID-19 spike. What what, what what about, about, I I mean, are you you talking talking about an experiment? experiment? Are you you talking talking about a paper paper that that was published? So So I'm I'm talking about uh, viral research that was done using NIH NIH funding funding with with the the North North Carolina Carolina lab and Dr. Dr. Shi developed this, this S1 subunit S1 spike that looks exactly like, like what we have on the current, current COVID-19, COVID-19 spike. Yeah, yeah. Is, that Is that not true? No, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring, referring to. to? Are, you Are you referring to the paper of Barrick and Shi and, and Nature Immunology? immunology? Is, Is that, that what you're, you're referring refer- to? I need to know specifically. specifically. Yeah, so so Dr. Barrick and Shi printed studies uh, on this S1 unit that was basically the development of the key to the door that was specifically took a original SARS virus and made it so it would bond to the human lung cells? No, there was no gain, if you're referring, Senator, to gain of function by the definition- Okay, I mean, that's not that my pause, question. Well- but Would well, you would you agree that that the, when, the spike that was developed there is what's also on the current- Yeah, but that's, that's, ir, that's irrelevant to anything until you have a context in which you're putting it. You're talking about an S1, and a spike in what context? If you're talking about a paper that was written by them, but but you agree or disagree that it's the same spike. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Senator. I'm really not sure what you're talking about. Okay, thank you, all right.
2: Thank you, Senator. What a
1: weasel. weasel.
0: Thank you, Chair Moran. I'm gonna thank the- the...
1: What a weasel. Oh, man.
3: So that article that I wrote, They Knew the Danger, traces back to that nature article that um barrick and she wrote mm. and you know as sars like cluster circulating back coronavirus shows potential for human emergence it was this paper which if i'm not mistaken led to the moratorium yeah. on gene uh, uh, function research
1: no nah, it was more the um the h1n1 uh in holland at the rasmus institute i think that 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 was the uh sort of <clears throat> study
4: so
3: he had beric so whew. after the while the moratorium was in place m- many scientists who'd been working on pathogens for years um wrote a letter center for arms control and Nonproliferation, proliferation mm. and in his response, um, which is essentially what the article really goes into, um, Berick admits to... Ah, man. He says that a gain of function is the equivalent of a gain in pathogenesis. And because many of these people had been working on viruses for a long time, it would not be expected for them to have a situation where they're dealing with a gain in pathogenesis because the pathogenesis of those strains had been well-documented up to that point in time. Hmm. Here, he was dealing with a chimeric spike protein, the SHCMA15, um actually I think they made a correction it's actually one six uh, but here what he found is that this modified spike protein had more pathogenic effect on human lung tissue than it did in mice tissue and he was advocating for the um, uh, for the need of that technology being able to uh, test uh, uh, human-lunged mice, essentially, because without that test, it could have led to the release of a vaccine that would have caused more damage that they would not have known because of this specific spike protein, SHC 014MA15. And yeah, in it, I, I can't find it. you have to read the article. It's in there. Um, but He equates gain-of-function to a gain in pathogenesis, which is essentially uh, innate immune system infection or infiltration, which is exactly what we're seeing with the spike. We're seeing innate immune infiltration and infection from the spike alone, um, which is a gain in pathogenesis, but also would be the definition of of gain-of-function. So I just wanted to kind of leave that. Give you guys a link out there. because uh, I uh it's a nice little nugget.
1: Mm, yeah, drop drop the link in the Discord chat, bro. Right? Yep, we'll do. Once again. So <laughs> what a great this... gift. This is our year. Well, let's see. I think we've got a decade of fight to go. We you? do. That's just me. Alright, um, I'll let you go and then uh, then I'll wrap up because that's it, um, yes, sir. Uh, I'm Wilting, uh, Anthony, always <laughs> always, a, always a pleasure, sir um, Absolutely have a, Thank you so much Two weeks, we'll be uh, doing this again I guess, we'll have uh, we'll know a whole bunch more Oh
3: yeah, uh, I think there'll be some uh, smoking and drinking during that one though That'll be a good time
1: Alright,
2: many blessings come out
1: Yeah, you take care <laughs> all right folks uh there you go um nice update to the uh the legal pushback uh that's a single handed legal pushback from uh doc keck anthony pena um let's okay. say god bless these people for um coming forward and and doing what they're doing um say um <laughs> just i wish I, I wish i could do more if i if i had uh if i had a lab i my own lab, of course, I would do more, but um, we're, we're limited in that respect. Uh, let's see. If I was present in the bar that JJC and Barry and Dr. McCam was in, I would have beat the shit out of everyone there and the bartender. <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> um, okay. Uh let's see let's see, correct 2,000 moratorium after flu research. Yes. Um uh can I balance the audio levels a bit? Well, what? what are you on about? Sound was perfect. <laughs> my, my levels are peaking. What's the matter with you? Um all right, uh, can build a lab, dude. Uh yes. Um let's uh let's hope we can um pursue that pathway, uh, karma. Um I, uh, I, we can, but try, um, is all I can say. Uh, right, um, that's it. Uh, tomorrow I'll be uh, on Ryan Dawson's stream, um, talking graphene, um, ten a.m. Japanese time, so an hour and a half earlier than this time, right now, um, and with that. I'm going to dip out because, yeah, I'm, I'm wilting. <laughs> the, why is the kuma in there? Why's the kuma in the chat? What's going on? I've got to look at that now. <laughs> Let me see. Am I the kuma? How dare you? I'm offended. <laughs> uh, let's see. Digital trenches, law trenches, then real trenches. Let's just hope we don't get to the real trenches right i'm out of here take care folks god bless i will see you in the next one tomorrow or maybe i'll do one tonight and we'll see how the jet lag uh plays out all right bye bye oh support the doc go to the links mccanndojo.com. um it costs money to run these streams right bye you don't know how angry i am you do. I'm like, I was just even leaving for fucking, fucking work. You do not, not understand, understand how fucking.
0: First off, after reading that
3: online, I
0: will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. <laughs> <thing>. Fuck these kaffers. <laughs> I will fucking kill each fucking kappa. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious.
1: These people don't know who the fuck they actually Fuck these cappers. No fucking
2: vaccine or MRI whatever ever 1st year fucking blood, blood Never! No. I will fucking die fucking
1: fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking knees. Fuck these motherfuckers! All of them. Bye. Thanks, God. Should've taken a clue about that. Turn it in. Never! 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 Make scather.
4: sure to make your <laughs>